On this episode of the Breaking the Game podcast, Austin and special guest Jurgen Coney and myself, we're going to discuss a lot of stuff going on with the NBA. This is our special NBA preview show. You're not going to want to miss this. Thank you for coming in. Stay tuned. We'll be back right after this video. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Breaking the Game podcast. I'm your co-host, Stephen Gillespie, and joining me, as he normally almost always does, is Austin Carr. Austin, what's up, man? What's going on, Stephen? I'm happy to be back. I'm excited to be here. we got a great show tonight, so I'm excited. And before I introduce our uh, special, you know, um, guest here on the show, Austin, how you feeling, man? We were on the um, show Sunday, and you know, updated all of the viewers and listeners. Just uh, we're, tell them how you're doing. doing. Good, doing good. Uh, my wife's still not feeling the best, but she's getting there. She's getting better every day. Um, I'm doing much better, so we appreciate all the, you know, well wishes and everything and prayers, and happy to be back. Happy to have you back, man. Well, Austin, we are in esteemed company right now our, our yes, good buddy jurgen coney of the off the ball network our fellow right. colleague not only is this his first time on our show yes. i believe this is his off the ball network debut is that right jurgen yes yes it oh, is sweet. i haven't been on one yet and i'm very happy hey. that this is the first one i'm on it's a pleasure to be on with you guys oh awesome. dude we're happy to have you absolutely the pleasure is all ours for anybody who's listening or watching right now uh we have some pretty good discussion on our Twitter um, yes. group chat that we have. Austin and I talk about this all the time here on the show, Jurgen. We mm-hmm. wish people had, you know, the the chat that we do because we talk right. like literally every day. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's yeah. out of any like group chat I've ever been in for anything. It's the most active chat I've ever been a part of, and it's awesome because it's all of us, you know, giving our opinions, sharing our work, and just like supporting each other. Like it, it, it's the best possible thing. It is like today it we is. even we have a, a special project that I don't even want to reveal on the show, but it's like we do stuff that's not even sports related and talk about that. Right, Austin? Right. Yes, we do. We have a lot of fun. It's, it's real good stuff. Well, today, guys, we have a very special show. We're doing our NBA preview. We've been, you know, talking about trades. We've been talking about the transactions. I've been staying up to odd hours of the night, you know, just develop like keeping up with all the transactions. Almost everything is done. And right before we even planned this show, we were like, everything's good. And we had a brand new unveiling of a trade with Russell Westbrook and and, and John Wall. We're not even going to talk about that. There's way too much other stuff that we're going to discuss. I'm sure it'll come up in a special segment of our show, right, Austin? Yes, it will. It certainly will. But um, yeah, we're going to go ahead and get going here. This is the NBA preview show here on Breaking the Game, which is affiliated mm-hmm. with the Off the Ball Network. Go to offtheballnetwork.com for all of your sports needs. Austin, let's go ahead and get rolling with the NBA schedule, my man. What's going on with the schedule? Well, you know, for what we know so far, uh, the season begins on Tuesday, December 22nd. Um, it's a 72-game schedule. It's going to be 10 fewer than the normal 82-game season, which is fine with me. Um no impact on player salaries. They're going to make the same amount of money as they would if they played 82 games. Um, the travel is going to be quite a bit different, right? So um, each each team will play three games against each of their interconference opponents. And then within the division, um, yeah, interconference opponents within their division. And then teams will randomly be assigned either two home or road games against each 
other team. So yeah, it's kind of tricky verbal yeah. maneuvering there, yeah. but basically like, everybody is going to play every team at least three times. They're going to randomly be assigned either two home or two road games, obviously with mm-hmm. three being the number one's going to have more than the other right between road and home. So right. Jurgen, real quick before we get going, there's a couple more little key dates that we want to touch on about the actual schedule and the number of games itself, man. How are you feeling about that? Uh, I think it's a pretty good one. I think whenever it comes to situations like this, and of course, obviously, this is the first one dealing with like a a disease like COVID. Normally, mm-hmm. it's with collective bargaining. You always hope for the most possible games you can have, and for the NBA to have gotten this done so quickly, like it, it felt like we had just begun like debates and discussions about it before, and then they came out with the plan. Uh, it, it, another great job by Adam Silver. I think seventy games is you know very good. Obviously, uh, 12 less games in a regular one. They could have done a lot worse. So that's a plus. And in terms of some of the matchups, like early on, of course, we're going to allude to more of the key matchups right Mm -hmm. here in a moment. But like there are some very interesting matchups here early on. And I think I think this could be a little bit of of an experiment for future seasons once everything kind of gets back on a stable timeline. Like I I, I could see the NBA considering later start dates for future years. Well, I know that the the players gave pushback for that, but you touched on something that, you know, immediately sparked with me. I could see them experimenting with fewer games, you me know, too. like I know that that was one thing that has long been rumored to I'd love be to discussed. That. Yeah, absolutely. Because you have more flexibility with the schedule for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. More rest dates too. a lot of the guys would love a few more rest dates. Absolutely. I just think I just think 82 games is just a weird arbitrary number that they decided on a long time ago. And it's, you know, I'm not a big fan of the whole don't if it's not broke, don't fix it. You know, I like to kind of, you know, try something new and see maybe, mm-hmm. hey, maybe this way is better. And I think 70 games is more than enough. Those 12 games, are they going to make a difference really of the teams that end up in the playoffs? Maybe the eighth seed, maybe. Right. Maybe that would be it really, you know, but, so it wouldn't make that huge of a difference. But even if you're not the eight seed, like say typically in a regular season that you were going to be the eight seed and that, you know, 10 game difference, right. Is going to affect things. Mm-hmm. Don't fret because you're still going to have the play in tournament, right? That's yeah, another right. thing that they're going to keep bringing in here. And this was something that we discussed on the group chat too, right? Like was I'm all for the play in tournament. I know that everybody oh, yeah. was, but like how realistic would it be to like keep, keep it up? I'm glad that they brought it back because it makes it, it should eliminate tanking unless you're just like the worst of the worst in the NBA, right? Like if you're the tenth seed, if you have a chance, and like if you think about it, that eliminates like only five teams in each conference, right? Even the mm-hmm. Eastern Conference, right? So you're gonna have two thirds of each conference are gonna be competing in some form of playoff competition. So that should eliminate, you know everybody except for like maybe sacramento <laughs> you know like a team like that right um yeah. but watch them end up being in the playoff like playing tournament mm-hmm. but you know just looking at some more of the dates that we have they're gonna have an all-star break it's weird that they kept that same verbiage it's going to be between march the 5th through the 10th tentatively right that could change but there's not going to be any festivities or games it's just going to be mm-hmm. like literally a break but there's going to be no all-stars <sighs> Which is yeah. just weird, like, and and that's a sad blow. And I think we every like NBA fans really need to look at this and be like, do we really want to criticize the All Star games and stuff like this anymore? Because we're not going to have it this season. What do you guys think about that? Well, I'm I'm really 
uh, upset that we're not having an all-star game this year because it was going to be in Indianapolis. So, oh yeah, uh, I was really. Yeah, I mean, hold, hold on now. College basketball <laughs> looks like it's going to make <laughs> yeah, your true, your basketball true. picks a little bit better. True, but that's not the all-star game. You know, that's you know, I mean, I've been to lots of college stuff. It's fun. It'll it'll be a cool time. Um, so you know, I can't complain too much. But I I was looking forward to the all-star game being here in Indianapolis. I thought it was going to be really cool. Um, yeah. I had definitely, you know, been saving up a little money on the side to try to go. So now you got to you know, spend it on your wife. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <unfortunately>, <laughs> she, uh, she won't be too upset about that the next year though. And Hey, shout out to coach fall coming in and giving the show a little What's bit up, of love. Coach? He What's just up, had coach? a great, he just had a great show by the way. Well, I think yesterday with Ian Bagley, he and Mr. Lewis, if you haven't, if you haven't had a chance to watch the Whoa. Cannon corner show, you're missing out. Like not only is it informative, but it's, you know, you get a little bit of hip hop in your show. You get a little bit of sports in your show and just a good time all the way around. And they have a, a, a drink of the day, basically sponsoring their show unofficially. That is, but, um, it's, it's a great time. Oh, so go yeah. and check out the can of corner show. Ian Bailey was great on their show. They did. They did a great job, but moving on here with our show, right? Because we want to do a great job. I want to be like coach fall one day when I grow up. Yeah. So we have the play-in tournament. We mentioned that's going to be expanded to 10 seeds. March 11th through the 16th is going to be the tentative second half of the season. That's right. The NBA schedule is only halfway kind of even sort of revealed, like not even the full like uh, slate of games have been revealed yet. It'll probably happen during the show, and I'm just going to look like I don't know what I'm talking about. So May the 18th through the 21st is the tentative play-in tournament. And then May 22nd through July 22nd, is the tentative playoff. There is no definitive trade line established yet, although I did see right before the show that Sean Serrania said that March 25th may be the trade deadline date. And then there's also, um, he he released something having to do with like, basically like as furthest back as you can like add players so they can be qualified to participate in the playoffs. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. And yeah, yeah, so there's a whole lot going on there, guys. Jurgen, what's your thoughts with those? Uh, so real quick with the whole all-star thing, I think, you know, for Indianapolis, uh, an amazing host city, I think it's a blow for them to lose the all-star game this year. Of course, they'll definitely get it back a few mm. years down the line. I don't, I don't know if the NBA made like a definitive year for that yet, but when, when they get it, like Indianapolis, I personally never been, but uh, I've watched shows where it's like the guys live or are from Indianapolis and it's like, it's such a great host city. So mm-hmm. Indy, you'll, you'll get it soon, and it, I can tell it's going to be great. Uh, in terms of all those dates, you know, I, I think with the All-Star Weekend, what we want to call it, it's just like the yeah. usual break the guys get. Uh, what we talked about before, like if they ever shorten up the season, like the guys will love more time. I think this is one of those things where it's like the players definitely still wanted the All-Star break just to relax because not only do you think of it as just the games, like – it's going to be so different this year with the protocols that they have to follow. Like, exactly. I think that week, I think, will also be a week where guys can just like, I, I wouldn't be shocked if a lot of them, hopefully, just like just sit back and relax in their houses. Don't go out too much. You don't have to worry about, you know, a mask every single time, who to be next to, how close you are. Like, I think that week will just be like a mental reprieve for the guys more so. And I think that's a big victory for the players. Awesome. What are your thoughts on that, brother? Well, yeah, you know, I definitely like the fact that they're getting that break. I mean, even if they're not having the game, you know, they definitely need that time. I mean, a lot of these guys that made it pretty far into the playoffs have had, you know, 
what, 60 days off and they've been playing basketball for quite a long time now. I know they had to break because of the shutdown, but you know, it's, it's just been kind of weird stops and starts that they're not used to. So, you know, it'll be nice for them to kind of get back on the normal schedule because if you look that ending of the playoffs, July 22nd is when the playoffs would normally end on a regular season anyway, right around then. So yeah. Um, they'd be getting, they'd be able to get back to their normal schedule, which I think ultimately is what the the league wants and the players want. Um, That's right. They want their summers so, off. Yep. Yeah. So I think it's, I think it's good all around for sure. Yeah. And Jurgen, it's great that you mentioned that break and you touched on COVID protocols. Actually, I think that now's the perfect time just to kind of segue on into that. So for COVID protocols, if you're asymptomatic, you know, that being a player, right? Um, and I'm assuming coaches have something similar. I haven't seen anything on this, like if a staff member does the same thing, right? But if you're asymptomatic, meaning that you still test positive for COVID whenever they test you, um, you ha- automatically have 10 days where you're not allowed to participate in any team activities. You have to pass a cardiac screening, and then you have to do solo workouts for two days on top of this before resuming any team activity. So all in all, you're looking at about just shy of two weeks in a shortened season already, right? Um, If you're symptomatic, you have all of those same things, but you can't do anything, anything until after 10 days from your symptoms subsiding. So basically, there's no timeline. It's just basically whenever you're not showing symptoms and you're no longer testing positive, right? Like, and Mm -hmm. you're symptomatic. Um, So basically... On top of that, if you're a serious case, meaning like a hospitalization or something like that, you have three days of solo workouts, vice to two. So still within that two week time frame. Um, And for traveling purposes, teams may only travel with 45 uh, members, meaning like players, staff, etc. And right now there are no hard restrictions for player activities while they're on the road. Basically, the NBA is trusting their players to go and make sound decisions. Right. Right. and I'm sure that fines and stuff would be handed out similar to what we're seeing with the NFL. Uh, you know, if if players are just acting belligerent out on the road and traveling, not with the best intentions of themselves, their teammates in the league at large. Right. So that play. So I wanted to touch on this real quick, Jurgen, that you mentioned that break. I didn't even think about this before the show. That could be a very key moment in the season, right, where they're going to have that time off and a player test positive with COVID. Right. Yeah, you know, with what we've seen with the NFL season, uh, with Major League Baseball before that, like you, you want to hope that these guys are going to take it seriously, not just for the league, but also like personally for their families and friends. Uh, you know, you, you hope that at the end of the day, everyone follows it. But we we've we saw and we've heard with teams with players like there will be a few stragglers here and there that maybe and it, it could the, the crazy thing it could be the most innocent thing where it's just you your significant other and maybe your brother like it could just be three four of you and if you just get unlucky where maybe the delivery person uh has it and was yeah. asymptomatic or like the waiter or if there's indoor dining at that point like yeah depending it, on just, the state that you're in probably exactly right. yeah there's just so many different factors to it where it's like a guy a, a guy will be uh tested he could be positive and the entire internet is going to go on him. And you just got to think like if he got unlucky, where like, do you go bear? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a little bit different, but that's like a lot. lot yeah. Different. Yeah. yeah. But like, I, I just feel bad for like a guy. If like he was legitimately like, I just stayed home, man. Like this is a delivery dude. <laughs> you you, you kind of feel for that guy. Cause like, I feel like some guys, they just get 
harped on enough on Twitter. Now imagine they get tested positive. Oh, the mentions. Well, That's I mean, point. you know, like just what just, just happened with me, you know, the only place I went was the grocery store. Like it's the only place I've been other than yeah. other than work that I've been going to for six, six, you know, the last year with this whole thing going on. You know, I never my work never closed down for a day. So it's, you know, and that's the only other place I went. So, you know, I wasn't doing anything that I wasn't supposed to be doing. You know, I went to the grocery store one time and uh, or, you know, something along those lines. How dare and, you? Right. And in Indiana, they we're having some of the worst numbers that we've had this entire time right now. Yeah. And we're still allowed to eat inside restaurants. They're open inside for inside dining. So you can't really fault a guy for going out to dinner. I mean, not not too much if you're trying to be safe. I mean, if you're following the guidelines that they set forth and you're allowed to do it, I mean, at the end of the day, it's it's almost inevitable that something's going to happen. You know, there's going to be a team with an outbreak of some kind. And I mean, just thinking two weeks, even if you're completely asymptomatic in 12, 13 days, you know, that's five or six games, you know, that's quite a bit, yeah. you know, and then if you get, if you actually do get sick from it, uh, you know, you could miss three or four weeks. That's, that's a long time. So, um, it's going to be interesting to see, uh, you know, we're talking about the NBA. We know guys are going to break these rules. There's going to be some that will, for sure. I mean, it's just, you know, Lou Williams has already been spoken to, you know, they already the, sat him down. It's just, you know, if it's, ha if it's happened, to the Denver Broncos quarterback room, it's going to happen to the Houston Rockets locker room more more likely than not. You know what well, I mean? Didn't they say that like I think what forty eight uh, players recently between this of this last week of testing before you know the uh, like scrimmages and stuff had already started? Like forty eight players had already tested positive. Mm -hmm. And you know that you can't say that all 48 of those guys are out, you know, partying or breaking the rules at all. They might not be like you said, yeah. it might be a delivery guy. It might just be, they were in the wrong place at the wrong time. I mean, you can't completely close down, close yourself off of every possible risk. It's just not realistic. Yeah. And it's pretty tough. it is, especially in the social media area, Jurgen. I think that that was a, a sound point that you brought up that, you know, as, I mean, people are hard on athletes, all right? Like, people get death threats over the stupidest things. So it's going to be real unfortunate, you know, like, especially, oh man, like, I don't even want to, I don't even want to fall down this rabbit hole. Right, uh, yeah. We could, we, we could, we could get lost right here. But we're, we'll transition now, right, to the, to the opening and Christmas games. Austin, mm -hmm. do you want to go ahead and kind of unveil the already yes. unveiled opening games? Yes, the opening night games for the 2020-2021 season, I guess. Uh, sounds weird to say. 2020-2020-2020. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, the Golden State Warriors take on the Brooklyn Nets in the Kevin Durant Bowl at 7 p.m. And then at 10, you've got the Lakers and the Clippers. Big mm. brother, little brothers, if, if it's what I would call it. But, hey, you know, Lakers-Clippers works too. It's two exciting there games. Two exciting games for sure. Um, I don't know which one, honestly, I'm more excited to see. Honest, I, I want to see my Lakers come out pick? and play. Like <laughs> no, but if, if we did, uh, you know, I, I'm excited to see what Steph Curry can do. I, I'm happy to have him back. Uh, you know, he was one of those guys that I wasn't a big fan of, but when he was gone, I, I really realized, you know, how fun he made certain games and stuff. And just even just watching highlights the next morning, like, Oh, see Steph Curry pulling up from 40 feet over and over and just, mm -hmm. he's just electric. So I'm excited to see him again for sure. It's two yeah, big so, games. So Jurgen, what are your initial thoughts? Like what storylines like are already pumping through your head for these games, man? Well, we're uh, with, you know, two marquee matchups right there. You, you have the whole dynamic between Steph 
and KD, us seeing that matchup that we were robbed of of last season, not only with KD's injury, but then Steph eventually getting hurt. Mm -hmm. So those two guys finally meeting off in a game. Of course, it's going to be interesting. Steph's first. I want to. I, I kind of want to call this his first real game back from injury. I know mm -hmm. if, yeah. if I remember, I think he played a little bit at the he end did. of last season before yeah, everything. Yeah, but like, bit. I think this is his first real game with like you know the seasons reset. The Warriors have something to play for again. So yeah. it's going to be at a different level against the guy that he just won a few championships with. That's mm -hmm. always that's always uh, a must-watch television. And then the Clippers and Lakers. Austin said it best, big brother to little brother, only further reinforced last season with the Clippers not even making it to the conference mm -hmm. finals to face Broke the Lakers. My heart. Broke is my that, heart. That's going to be that, – that cloud is going to be over them the entire regular season and mm -hmm. going into the playoffs. This Clippers season, like, the litmus test is still the Lakers, and if they go another year without facing them in the playoffs again, unless it ends in a championship, there's going to be a lot, of, a lot more criticism coming their way. And how much more fun is this matchup with Montrez Harrell cleaning out his locker and moving across the hallway from, yeah. you know, moving from, you know, the Clippers to the Lakers. And we saw, I don't know if you guys saw, but like Pat Bev, like tweeted out, like what the bleep, you know, yeah. out on Twitter and had like the emoji with like the profane, you know, censorship over his mouth. Uh, and we heard Montrez Harrell say like, it appears that they didn't want me, huh? Like when he was asked, like what it felt mm -hmm. like to go from the Clippers to the Lakers. Like I'm looking forward to that. Like I want to yeah. put write this down. Montrez Harrell versus Marcus Morris in this matchup. Ooh. You know that those two are going to be. So I would not be surprised if there's an eject. I hope there's not. I'm not a guy that roots for ejections, but I mean Montrez Harrell wears his heart on his sleeve, and so does Marcus Morris. And boy, it, I mean. I want to see what happens the first time that one of them fouls the other one because you know that it's going to happen. But going back to that first matchup, the Warriors versus the Nets, it's going to be awesome, not only because the Steph versus KD aspect, how about the Draymond versus KD aspect? Like mm -hmm. They're probably going to be faced up, and we know that their relationship was a big reason why KD left in the first place, right? So there's a little bit of bad blood between these guys. And I know that the NBA is like nothing but an AAU tournament now, as far as like everybody likes everybody and all this other stuff. And they pretend like, you know, Oh, what this dude said doesn't matter to me. Like, I hope that this sparks back up just rivalries. I'm not talking, I'm not like clamoring for like, you know, the Knicks versus the, the heat or anything like that. Palace. I'm not clamoring for like eighties clothesline matchups or anything like that. I just want to see a little bit of chippiness, you know, just a little bit. I think it's going to be good for the NBA, man. It never but, hurts. Um, yeah, so we also okay have... The 80s clotheslines once in a while, to be honest. I mean... <laughs> I, once in a while. It would be okay. I, I'm not going to say, like, I'm rooting for that, but I would also not be opposed to that either, you know? like. But uh, we also have the Christmas Day matchups, and I just want to say before we get into these that a lot of people... The Christmas games were unveiled before the opening night games, which I thought was kind of interesting, right? And when everyone saw the Christmas games, Twitter blew up. I'm sure, if, you know, Instagram was the same way. Yeah. Uh, everyone was like, these are the games that should have been and all this other stuff. And they were like, NBA is like, oh, contrary. Like, we have those for you guys on opening night with these matchups. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was pretty slick of the NBA to do that. Oh, yeah. But for the Christmas games, right, we have the Pelicans versus the Heat. Jurgens team, right? You're a big Heat guy, right? Yes. yes. If I'm not mistaken, right? That's my team. That's your team. The Warriors versus the Bucks in a recruitment classic. Uh, the Nets versus the Celtics. 
the Mavericks versus the Lakers, and then the Clippers in a revenge game against the Denver Nuggets. Austin, which of these matchups? I, I'm not going to make you pick, but I'm just like, which one of these is kind of like tickling your interest a little bit more than the other well, ones? Let's let's run them all down real quick, and then I'll, and I'll give then I'll answer your question. Okay. So New Orleans, Miami, obviously, you know, everybody wants to see Zion, wants to see Brandon Ingram and what those guys can do for the full season together. Uh, you know, new coach Stan Van Gundy said that uh, Zion doesn't have a minutes restriction. So against his uh, old team. Right. Against his old team. Yep. The Miami Heat, who, you know, a lot of people said that, you know, they should have tried to go after a free agent. But I like the, what the moves that they made to run back the majority of the team they have. Avery you know, Bradley was a key pickup, man. Agreed. That Agreed. You know, I, I don't like that they lost Jay Crowder, but they you knew you, knew you weren't thinking they weren't going to keep everybody. Yeah, they and, got Mo uh, Harkless to kind of yeah. kind of make that not so bad. So. And let's be honest, like, I don't know if. Uh, Crowder was going to keep up that level of shooting that he was at in that short time that he was with Miami. I mean, he was just absolutely on fire when the season restarted. I believe and, in Crowder, but I, I know, see what you're saying. I, I get the point that you're making, a, but it's a, I think a Crowder pretty, is that guy. It's a pretty lofty, you know, goal to live up to. I think is is all. And you know, Miami's going to be really, really good again. I think everybody kind of saw what they can do last year. You know, nobody's going to be underestimating them or, or, you know, surprised by them. And then Golden State, Milwaukee, obviously that's kind of Steph Curry versus uh, Giannis in that one, you know, it's, it's kind of the, the marquee names in the, in hey, the NBA. Hey, buddy, you want to you wanna come play over here? <laughs> right, right, right. And then, you know, two more of the marquee names or three, really. You've got Anthony Davis and LeBron on the Lakers versus Luka Doncic on the Mavericks. Ooh, that's going to be a good game. Probably. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. You know, Luka Doncic, um, a lot of people are expecting him to, you know, be one of the favorites for the MVP award. I, I think, you know, he'll be up there for sure. But uh, the Lakers have two guys that will probably be up there towards the top of the of the voting list. Sure, and, true. you know, Lakers last year went from having, you know, like we had always said, it was LeBron, AD, and whoever else had a good game and they were going to win. Now they got four guys that can get 20 points a game. You know, they got younger. Um, they they didn't sacrifice much on defense. Um, their post defense is going to be better than it was than it was last year. I think Pau- or Marcus Saul is a huge upgrade there. Oh, true, and, yeah. And then you know the Nuggets and um, Clippers is uh, probably the most exciting game. I would say that would be my pick. You've got Boston and Brooklyn. You know they're uh, it's an exciting matchup. I'm I'm interested to see who wins, but it's it's not not the one that's doing the most for me. The one I'm most excited about is definitely that revenge game, the Clippers and the Nuggets. Mm. Um, I think uh, I think the Clippers are going to come out and uh, try and take Denver's head off a little bit, and it could be a pretty physical game. It could get uh, it could get a little chippy, like you want, Stephen. So I think that game's going to be a little lot chippiness. Of fun. Never hurt anybody. Absolutely. You know, they, they've definitely got a, a reputation to kind of rebuild after what Denver did to them in the playoffs last year. Los Angeles Chippers. All right, Jurgen, who what do you like about this about this slate of games for Christmas? I think it's a great all-around slate. In the first game, you have the young phenom in Zion going against the defending Eastern Conference champions and a team that's pretty good at playing defense against some of the top stars in the NBA. You saw what Miami did to Giannis in the playoffs. Obviously, Zion completely different uh situation, completely different play style, but you know, to see what Miami does against him and Ingram is going to be interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Brooklyn and Boston. If only we had an arena full of fans. How oh, entertaining boy. 
it would boy be. Kyrie Irving better count his lucky stars yeah. <laughs> that he doesn't have to go against the Boston faithful. Oh my goodness, absolutely. And then LeBron Luca is always must see. We got to enjoy that matchup as many more times as we get the chance to because we never know when LeBron is finally going to call it quits. Uh, and we we just got to enjoy the young, the next generation of superstar facing one of the best to ever play. It's very rare you get that in sports. And the mm-hmm. fact that we're going to get that consistently the next few years still, that's awesome. Uh, I, I think Nuggets and Clippers, that's definitely the game. Milwaukee and Golden State as well. Kind of like you said, I wouldn't be shocked if Steph, Steph and Giannis try to do that, you know, jersey over the mouth hey, thing. Like, hey, hey, buddy. buddy. Hey, yeah. what's going on? I thought you were picking your nose, Jurgen. I didn't know <laughs> no, what you were doing. <laughs> I, I wish I had a jersey. My bad. I wish yeah. I had a jersey. Uh, you know, like, hey, do you want to meet in Silicon Valley in a few months? And then they'll go from there. Yeah. Uh, but uh, like Austin said, and this game I'm going to watch for because I need to see the body language be very different from what it was in the playoffs. The Clippers mm-hmm. need to treat this with the intensity of a playoff battle. They need to treat this as if it was a redo of that game seven because the the more times you get to mentally be prepared for a big time game before the playoffs – that's going to help you come playoff time. If they can kind of get them, and they'll get themselves riled up, but if they can control that emotion, and like you said, and it doesn't need to be the blowout win that I'm sure they would love. Mm-hmm. Even if it was a 5-10 to 10 point win, just a, a victory against the Nuggets would mean a lot. And if they show up and show out, you know, the team is together, they're doing fine. You see, even if they are trailing, the guys aren't having their heads down and all that. That's going to be, it's a small step. Of course, it's very early in the year, but it's going to build to what that team wants to be and that they want to be champions. That's true. Now, real quick, Jurgen, I want to ask you, and this is a criticism of the Clippers, right? Because of who their team leaders are and they lost Doc Rivers. Like yeah. who's going to generate this sort of emotion to come out and take off heads? Who's going to be that? Is it going to be Marcus Morris? Is it going to be Patrick Beverly? Because I don't think anybody else on this team is going to be like, not going to be Baga. Yeah. It's right. not going to, someone's not going to come in there and be like, all right, guys, this is messed up. Do you guys remember what happened? Like, Right. Kawhi's gonna be like, "Hey guys, what's up, y'all?" Ready? <laughs> Paul George will try, but everybody's gonna laugh at him. Well, they listen is the question, yeah. Well, Paul George will be like, "Hey guys, I just want y'all to know that last year Doc Rivers had me doing a lot of That's stuff that I'm really saying. wasn't in my game." Do we know, and... do we know if the seventy six <laughs> and the Clippers play? Do we know if they play no, each other? Oh boy! They do, uh, if Doc they is do, I'll be watching board I'll material. I'll be waiting to see that pregame handshake and all that. You know everything that goes on there. Yeah. You know, yeah. Paul George Clippers, everybody. Yeah, yeah. Now for the Clippers, you don't think Luke Kennard's got a little bit of a killer? Ooh, no. ooh Luke Kennard. <laughs> the uh, Nard dog. No, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> for all you office fans That's a good out one. there. That is yeah, a good Nard one. dog. But, uh, I mean, I don't know. It's not going to be, uh, you know, Lemon Pepper Lou. I, I mean, it's not going to be uh, Zubach. I don't think Zubach is going to come in there and, you know, try to Sylvester Salamba into a, you know, motivational speech or something. I don't know, man. Like, I see what you're saying, but I mean, also at the same token, like who's beating their chest in the in the Nuggets locker room? I mean, Paul Millsap is probably right. like their vocal leader, yeah. you know. I would imagine on that team, every I like, think, I think Jamal Murray probably talks up a little, speaks up a little bit in that. I can see room, that. Too. I can see that. I mean, you can't hang up 50 points in a game and be like, "No, man, guys, like it's whatever," you know, like <laughs> for real. Are they say, yeah. uh, I Go think ahead. it's, uh, um, I'm trying to remember who it is. It's not. It's not Justin Termini and and his and his partners, the other guys uh, on after them, but they say on the radio all the time, uh, it's really, really rare that your best player is also the leader, the vocal leader in the locker room. He said that's mm-hmm. a lot to 
a lot to expect of a guy. They said almost always your best player is never the best teammate or the best, you know, the the number one voice in the locker room. And, and I just thought that was interesting because you would kind of think that those guys would have, you know, the most sway for sure. Mm-hmm. But it, it does kind of make sense, though. You know, they're a lot of guys are, are worried about me, you know, in this in, in the NBA, like like, I, I, you know, I've said it before and and I've heard it lots of times, you know, everybody wants to win just on their own terms, you know, yeah. it's a league, it's a league built, built on ego. And, uh, so it's, it's rare that you get a situation where, you know, a guy like Kawhi Leonard is going to actually be, you know, the leader in the locker room as well. So I don't I mean, know if he, he gets a little bit too much, uh, too much of the blame for what happened there. Sometimes I feel like lately. Yeah, I think that that's fair. I mean, look at Jurgen. Look at your team, man. Miami. Who who's the OG in the locker room? That's that's uh, lighting everybody up. If you don't have an OG like Udonis Haslam in your locker room, you are missing something. And Miami values that very differently from a lot of teams. And part of that is Pat Riley. You know, he mm-hmm. he's an OG of the game itself. He's, he's a godfather, a, man. He's you yeah. Know. He he's been around the game in some way, shape, or form from being a player to coach to executive for five, six decades. Like. That you just think differently when you have that much experience. And if the Clippers had a guy like that, like all the dynamic of that team would be so different. It, it, it would just be like to have a Haslam in your locker room. Like a lot of people undersell it. They're like, that's a waste of a roster spot and this and that. But, you know, sometimes it takes that kind of guy. He was one of the very few people when Hassan Whiteside was in Miami. He was one of the very few guys that was actually able to get Hassan to like put some more effort in practice <laughs> games. Like it takes a special personality. Yeah, for sure. And and that's the message to the Los Angeles Clippers, you know, get you an OG, you know, I mean, I think Marcus Morris is probably the closest thing or maybe Pat Beverly, you know, to a, to an OG Mm -hmm. in the locker room. Maybe. I I mean, I'm saying the closest, I'm not saying like the, like the OG. I think Pat Beverly Beverly outside of his own locker room might be seen as a little bit of a clown around the NBA. I mean, he does a lot of of talking and doesn't really want much. Yeah, that's true. That's a whole nother rabbit hole. I'm not falling for your tricks today, Austin Carr. <laughs> All right, we're going to transition. Uh, yeah. so Austin, I feel like it's only appropriate since Jurgen has you know, blessed us with his presence today. We're going to let him open up. And just real quick, do y'all want to do – you know, one person reveal their three, or do we want to yeah. go around the horn one each? Let's just do all three. All three. All right, Dragon Man. So we're doing the segment players who are most likely to be traded during this season. Who do you got? Uh, so the first name I got is a guy that has popped in my head recently for the situation that he's in. And I did like I said, I didn't give it a lot of thought until recently, but I'm like, you know what? I could see a trade finally happening here. Uh Lamarcus Aldridge on the Spurs. Mm-hmm. Um San Antonio has been a consistent playoff team for the entire lives of a lot of people, (laughs) a lot of NBA fans, especially a lot of the young ones. (laughs) And, you know, they're kind of in a very intriguing spot. They have a couple nice young pieces, but they also have veterans. And it's now come at a crossroads. Like, what are you going to do? I think if a team gives the right kind of package to the Spurs, I think Pop pulls the trigger and Aldridge is gone from San Antonio. And it's like, I know a lot of people might think like that's such a non-sperm move, but there comes a time where you need to change things like consistency Mm -hmm. can only last for so long in sports. Uh, Mm -hmm. I I actually like side note, I'm working on an article where in hockey, when you get a consistent uh, contender, 
you know, it, it takes right moves year in and year out. And one bad move in one summer can cause a ripple effect for an NHL team and send them crashing down. And I think with the NBA, this could finally be that changing of the guard for San Antonio, where they kind of move away from things for just for a little bit and try to reload. So I think Aldridge would be a name that I think a lot of a lot of you know middle tier playoff teams or that team making that push. I think mm-hmm. he's a very valuable commodity. That's a fair point, man. You want to just unload the clip, man? Who else you got on? Who's your next two? Uh, my next two, not as big of names. Um, I'm I'm kind of 50-50 on this guy because I know a lot of people are high on him. I'm I'm kind of here nor there. It's kind of it's John Collins from Atlanta. Mm. Uh, I'm I'm very 50-50 on him. I liked uh, when he was coming out of the draft actually. If we hadn't gotten Bam, I would have not minded John Collins because I, I thought he was, you know, the athleticism, you know, I, I there're just some natural things about him that I think th- it it looks good on an NBA court and a team a very good team can work with. But it, with the suspension last year, not of course due to behavior or anything, just kind of bad luck with the suspension and just you didn't see the progress you hoped to see from him in his third year. I think if the right package comes along, very similar thing, maybe for a veteran like an Aldridge, uh, mm. John Collins could get moved. And my last guy, I'm sure like we're going to name like so, all of us are going to name at least one Nets player considering <laughs> all the rumors. Um, Jared Allen is a guy okay. that could get moved. And the only reason I say this is because Austin uh, mentioned this a little bit earlier. It's a player's league now. And Katie and Kyrie, DeAndre Jordan's their guy. Jared Allen, DeAndre Jordan, like you said, Stephen, is the Spider-Man meme. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's a very peculiar place because you're going to have to pay Jared Allen a similar contract to DJ. Do you have that much money in two centers that do the same thing? So, and he's a valuable commodity. So if the Nets want that third star, it might cost them their backup slash sometimes starting big man so that's fair austin do you mind if i go real quick because jurgen and i are like almost hand in hand so go ahead my most likely to be traded first off is karis lavert from the nets uh he was my number one guy and that's not even you know i don't know if i'm going to be stepping on toes here actually no i'm not so i'm going to bring up a name that nobody else has brought up yet and that's james harden uh long been rumored to be a part of a, a package to go to brooklyn um I don't know if Harden is more likely to be dealt or if the Nets are more likely to say, you know what, like what's up with Bradley Beal, who's another guy that's not going to be mentioned here today. So I'm not stepping on anybody's toes. Um, They might try to just say, you know what, Bradley Beal may look unhappy in Washington and Karis LeVert balled out in the bubble, you know, like and he's kind of like how like how you are, Jurgen, with uh, John Collins. I'm that way with Karis LeVert, like. I don't know if he's like really that good or if he was just in a situation where like if if anybody is a professional scorer in the NBA like and they're the option on the team like they're going to be able to put up those types of numbers for the most part right like almost anybody should be able to come in in a starting lineup and be able to drop like 15 a game like almost yeah. anybody if you're coming to the NBA as a scorer right so mm-hmm. I think that Karis LeVert is probably going to be involved in a trade one way or another with the Nets I echo the same sentiment that you had with the Marcus Aldridge with the Spurs. He was a guy that I brought up. I think that he's definitely going to be traded because not only is he a vet, but he, I believe he's on an expiring contract, which is yeah. highly valuable because you kind of want to test drive the LaMarcus if you're a team that wants to sign him in free agency and also have his bird rights to where you can go over the cap, right? Which is an important yeah. thing for an NBA team to be able to do. 
Um, and then my last guy was John Collins because it looks crowded in Atlanta right now with uh, them drafting on Yucko Kongwu. They traded for Clint Capella. They got Danilo Gallinari. Like, I don't, is Gallo going to play the three? And if so, like, does that slide up, you know, bogey to the two? And then what does that do with their rotation? They still got guys like Herder, you know, right. Cam Reddish, and, uh, you know, DeAndre Hunter as well, who I'm sure that they're going to want to try to see how they look this season. So I think that John Collins, because he's in the last year of his, you know, extension eligible contract, he's on a favorable number. Almost any team can be able to acquire him with a reasonable, you know, matching salary. So those are my three guys that I have most likely to be traded. Austin, who do you got? Well, um, first, I would like to mention that uh, so it doesn't get overlooked. Steven knows I'm not lying. Uh, my ahead, number one guy, your arm. my number one guy uh, on my list originally was Russell Westbrook. So I'm, I can I'm vouch for this. He, taking he my victory it. lap for that one for sure. Yeah, good oh, job, man. That was awesome. Obviously, yeah. obviously already happened. Uh, it was just funny for anybody that's listening because I literally, you know, we have like a, a shared document that we put our notes on. And I think I put his name on there about 10 minutes before that trade happened. So it was, it was just crazy. Timing. Um, so I just moved up my number two, which was Andre Drummond of the Cavaliers. I have slash Kevin Love on here, too. Um, I think if Kevin Love has like a great first half and comes back and and shows that he's still got a little bit more left in the tank than people think, you know, a team may take it with a, a disgruntled star, may take a, a, a chance on him. He, he does have 93 million, I think, left on his contract for three years. That's a lot of money. Yeah. If he's if you know, but if he's back to to where where he was before these injuries and before, you know, he struggled these last couple, you know, everybody in Cleveland struggled these last couple of years. He Correct. could have some trade value, <laughs> but, but I mean, uh, Drummond is on the last year of his contract. He's an expiring contract. He does have a pretty high number, but I mean, he's going to get you 17 points and 15 rebounds, like pretty much take it to the bank, double, double every night. And there's, there's definitely value for that. I think, I think the right system can kind of, you know, use his athleticism and his, what his, what he does well to their advantage. Um, so he's somebody that I think you'll see get moved. Um, and then number two is Kyle Kuzma. Um, I don't know how well he'll take to be in the fourth or fifth option on this team now. Um, you know, he was kind of projected to be that number three guy for the last couple of years and just hasn't hasn't really worked out. It's it's always kind of been hard for anybody that plays the same position as LeBron. Um, you know, Brandon Ingram didn't really blossom until he left. Yep. And Kuzma's the type of guy that, you know, he'll he'll pout on social media, he'll pout to the media, you know, he'll pout in the locker room. Um, so he could be somebody that could try to force his way out. Or it could go the other way where, you know, maybe he takes this as a as a kick in the ass, to, so to speak, and um, you know, plays really well. And then he'd probably have pretty high trade value because he is still pretty young. Um, he's on a you know, obviously his contract's coming up here soon, but I think after this year. But uh, you know, yeah, he's definitely he'll be got, an extension eligible. Yeah. yeah, he's definitely got a lot of value. You know, on the trade market, I think for the right team because I do think he's a good player. I just yeah, don't I know. Fits, I just don't know if he fits with with LeBron real well. And then number three, my Nets player is uh, Spencer Dinwiddie. Um, we hit them all. Saying, we got them right, all. The trio. <laughs> what you were saying about uh, you know Jared Allen makes a lot of sense. Jurgen, I, I like that a lot. Um, Karis Levert, I think is probably the safest of the three, to be honest, just because he's got that three-year contract still on a pretty, pretty, you know, doable number. And, you know, he did put up really good numbers in the bubble when, when everybody else was out. So I think he, he could legitimately be their third scorer on that team and they don't necessarily need to go out and, and get another huge name. But, mm -hmm. uh, 
if they do, I think Dinwiddie's probably someone that they see as that would bring back a lot in a trade. Has a pretty good contract in terms of you know matching up money, and then is uh, is probably the most expendable of the of the three in their eyes. I would think because you know you've got to have a backup center for a guy like DeAndre Jordan. You know he's he's never been you know known to play. 35, 40 minutes a night, you know, he's, he gets himself in foul trouble or he just, you know, it's always helps to have a, as many good backup big as you can, I think. So They still have Claxton though. I don't know how much like that changes your take there, but I mean, he's a, a young right. guy that may be True. part of this. Watch us all three be wrong. And Torian Prince is probably going to be involved <laughs> in any deal because of the contract mm-hmm. and the, probably the, the least amount of importance to the team right there. Right. So, Torian Prince is probably going to be involved one way or the I other. Just, I don't know that the Nets need to make a deal. I think they will, but I don't know if they should. You know, I think they got, got too many dudes like now. They might, That's their problem. They might, but, but what are they? What are they going to improve by by trading one of these guys? Are they just going for draft picks or or? No, they're going for they're going for a I mean. star. They're going for a star. That's so the only much. way that the Lakers lose is if they add a third player like. That's the only yeah. thing I think that's going to stop the Lakers from repeating. Hey, I did want to I did want to make you aware. I don't know if you saw this, Stephen. It turns out, I guess the Warriors did ask uh, Houston about a James Harden trade. So, mm-hmm. I brought that up. About it. We've been talking about it a lot. Yep, I brought that up because, man, oh. like James Harden and Golden State would be freaking scary, right? For so many reasons, because. Yeah, I'm not gonna fall down that. We can, we can, we'll talk about that if that happens, and then I'll break my arm patting myself on the back there. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right, so Jurgen, we're gonna shift now to the conference predictions. We're gonna be starting with the Eastern Conference. This is not your uncles or you know maybe slightly older brothers Eastern Conference. It's looking a lot better. It's looking, yeah. you know, at least in the top half. I think I think that the Eastern Conference is getting a lot stronger than a lot of people want to kind of give credit for. With that being said, Jurgen, who are your top eight? in the Eastern conference. So, and, and not just the, the top tier of the conference, by the way, we like, I think the middle of the conference as well has like mm-hmm. some of those teams you could, it, for my standings as like a, just a very quick caveat, like my five through seven, like if things break differently, like the seven could become the five if things go right for them. So it's like, that's how close I really think that the East is this year. Uh, so for my top eight, a quick rundown, number one, I have the bucks. Only because they've been a very consistent regular season team the last few years. They've led in point differential both the last two regular seasons. Uh, I think they're overwhelming during this time of year. For me personally, the regular season, I'm not concerned with them. It's just the playoffs. <laughs> like the playoffs is the only time of year the Bucks need to like really key in on. I think they'll be fine during the regular season. Uh, number two is the Boston Celtics. I just think you're going to see Brown and Tatum take two jumps. Um I, I think Tristan Thompson and Jeff Teague, my concern for them comes playoff time. I think regular season, they'll be fine. Mm-hmm. So kind of kind of a, a switch up between them and the Bucks in terms of a few things. Yeah. Uh, but I just think like Tatum is about to take that superstar leap. And when you have a superstar caliber player and a pretty good team and a good coach in Brad Stevens, I think like a, a top three seed should definitely be like the conversation for them. Uh, number three, um, I, I truly believe they can be the third seed, but if they become the fourth, I'll take it. Uh, the Heat, I, I think like you guys alluded to the moves earlier, the only loss in the offseason was Crowder. They replaced him with Harkless and Bradley. Uh, if you look the last few years, shooters get better when they go to Miami. Like 
the in terms of guys creating for them going back to LeBron and D Wade like shooters go to Miami because there's always at least somebody who's going to create opportunities for them to be wide open so I think those two guys they're also defensive orientated Harkless has like good wingspan good size to him uh Spolster and Riley love that so I think they'll be uh they could be the third seed uh if they end up sliding to fourth I think that would only be because the third seed would be the Nets which they are my fourth seed in this scenario only because I can see Early on, it wouldn't surprise me if while KD, while he plays well, like the back end of a back to back or the mm-hmm. third game in a four night stretch, like there, there's going to be a few games where management probably wants him to rest a little bit just because for the long term, for the playoffs, that'll be in the best mm-hmm. interest. Okay. Uh, my, yeah, my fifth seed is Philly. I like some of the moves they made. They they added reputation shooters around Simmons and Embiid. I think this is the pivotal year for how they go, and I still think there's too much top-end talent on that team to fall below like fifth or sixth, so I got them at five. At six, I got Indiana. I just think they're a solid team, you know? I think they're a very solid organization. They'll always have a good regular season. They're just so snake-bitten come playoff time, like – I feel bad for Pacers fans because new they coach legit, though, new, new coach, coach mm-hmm. new coach. Maybe, maybe that changes something, but they just get unlucky so many times in the playoffs. Maybe they'll finally break through, but you know, we'll see. Uh, Your friend, se- baby. Yes. 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 Uh, <laughs> yes. My, my seventh seed is the Raptors. Uh, they've had, they t- uh, took a good amount of losses in the front court this off season. Mm-hmm. And you look at all the teams above them. There's Giannis, there's Embiid, there's Bam um, on the nets. Um, if he starts getting back to form, KD can drive the lane here and there. Like there, there's so much interior talent that the Raptors losing Sabonis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As Sabonis, like the Raptors losing their two best interior defenders, which was also kind of their two starting bigs. Yeah. Like that, that's a massive loss to me, but I still think there's enough there. Steven, we've spoken about this guy in like the Twitter chats before. I love OG, uh, just oh, as much as you. Him. Yeah, like, I'm, so- I'm a big fan of him. I think he'll take that jump this season because there will be a little more of a role for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kyle Laurie's still a very good veteran, and Pascal, even with some of like the negatives he showed last year, I think again, regular season, he'll be just a fine. Over, yeah, a little overblown in my eyes. Yeah, I mean, yeah. He just got deed up by like one of the best defensive teams in the NBA, man. Like that's what happens. Exactly. Exactly. And again, like defense changes so much come playoff time. Like that's the kind of experience that he needs to take and to have a good playoff, a better playoff run this year. Yeah. Uh, and my eighth seed, and I guess the ninth seed because of the whole playing thing, I'll just save my ninth real quick. My eighth is Washington and my ninth is Atlanta. And there's not mm. much of a difference between them, but. Uh, as much as I harp on this guy, and you guys know because I've done it in the chat, like as much as I'll harp on Russell Westbrook, I think he he just makes them the eighth seed above Atlanta for me by like a game or two. Okay, fair enough, Austin. Okay, what are, you, what are your thoughts, real quick, on 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 Jurgen's take? Where'd there? you have uh, where'd you have the Nets? He had so them like fourth, the fourth. He had them okay. fourth, fourth. Kind of fourth. fluctuating. It, I all was the taking notes. What it is. Um, so. My only couple things is I think you're underestimating the Pacers just a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Homer. I, yeah, <laughs> sure. Of course, you know me. That's my brand. I might as well stick with it. Still the same. Um, and to be totally honest, I think you're being a little uh, you're being a little modest with where you have your your team. I actually uh, I'll just get right <laughs> into my list. Um, I have them finishing first in the East. I, I think, you know, you want to talk yeah. about guy, uh, guys that are 
capable of taking a, a superstar leap. And I think Bam's right there. I, I think we'll see him have an, an even more increased role than he already had, which is, is something that I think is great for Miami. Um, you know, I've really loved the Avery Bradley signing. Is there more uh, Miami guy really than th- that they could have brought in? Maybe, you know, I still, I think this is another guy I think they'll try to trade for is PJ Tucker. You know, he mm. might be the only, the only other guy that I can think of that's just a, you know, would be perfect on this team. Oh, but I, I think he's a, you know, Avery Bradley was a great pickup. That and then I have the Bucks so at two. Yeah, I have the Bucks at two. Um, you know, Milwaukee is a great uh, regular season team. I, I do think the book's out on them a little bit, though. I think uh, Miami's poised to uh, Boston as well. I think it'll be a, a really tight, race for the top three i have boston at third um you know i think they lost a lot more than people are gonna are trying to give them credit for with gordon hayward you know i like i like the addition of tristan thompson and i like who they drafted yeah but you know gordon hayward gordon hayward had uh um you know he had really good numbers for his usage rate i saw something some stat where he was like he was the first player ever to score 17 points per game on like such as like 50% from the field and 37% from three or something. It was some ridiculous stat, you know, how they make them up to, to yeah. make everybody have their own stat, but yeah, everybody's pretty the interesting. something. And his usage rate was like the lowest ever for, to hit those numbers. And and so, you know, I think he will have a, a, a big impact on, on, on Boston, you know, negatively, but, but, you know, Aaron Neesmith, I think is going to step in there and, and be able to pick up some of that offense a little bit. Um, you know, they improved their backup point guard position. Uh, so Boston's still going to be there. They've still got a great coach. And I have the Pacers fourth. You know, they finished fifth last year and basically like a half game out of fourth place or game. And, you know, like what Steven said, Nate Bjorkren, I think they hit a home run with this coach. I think he's exactly what they needed. Um, you know, I've harped on it. I've said it lots of times. The Pacers were the second best three-point shooting team in the NBA, and they shot the fewest threes. You know, they just they didn't play to their strengths really well at all. And I think a lot of the the playoff issues that they've had are you know related to Nate McMillan. Obviously, he's he's got the worst playoff record of any coach that's coached at least thirty playoff games. So yeah. you know, there's something to be said about that. And they weren't healthy. They they weren't healthy at all last year. You know, if they're they're deep if they keep can keep everybody on the court. Um, Brooklyn, I have at fifth. Just I, I, I'm not sure how well KD and 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 Kyrie match up. I mean, obviously they're two great players, but are are they going to play well together? Because they both kind of left offenses where it was about sharing the ball and it was about ball movement and, and getting the, the best open shots. And that's kind of the only thing I could see that will work to get them both the ball enough is they're going to have to move the ball a lot. And, you know, they're going to have a lot of guys on that team. They're going to want the ball. And so I just, I don't know how happy those guys are going to be playing together, but it remains to be seen. I could be way off. They could finish number one too. You know, they honestly, they're talent wise. They've got to be one of the best three or four teams in the whole league. Um, Philadelphia at six. Uh, I just I need to see some more out of them before I I can move them up. Really, um, you know I don't know. I think Doc Rivers is a is a great coach, but when it comes to winning championships and you know getting past the conference finals and three one you know leads in the playoffs, he's kind of under underachieved a lot, and so has this Philadelphia mm-hmm. roster. So I'm interested to see what they do together. I think they made some interesting moves to become you know a little bit more well rounded roster for sure. Well-rounded roster. That sounded weird. Well-rounded Wawa. Yeah, well-rounded Wawa. 
I was but, it was uh, gonna be me if it wasn't gonna be you. So. <laughs> um so you know, I think Philadelphia is interesting. I, I'm with you, Jurgen. Toronto took took some big steps back for me. Um, you know, I have them at seventh. And then my eight and nine are exactly what you said, Washington and uh, Atlanta. I did originally have Atlanta into the playoffs until last night when that trade was made. You know, I just think people kind of have overstated the negativity towards Russell Westbrook in my eyes. And I think I've kind of been on that train a little bit too. I mean, you think about mm-hmm. what the numbers the guy puts up. Like, it's just, it's unreal. He's he's terrific. He's an MVP. You know, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer and... John Wall's not that like he's he's good, but even if he was back to where he was before all these injuries, he's not Russell Westbrook. And I I think, you know, he's got a chance to kind of lead that team, which is what he wants. He wants to bring the ball up the floor. He wants to have the ball in his hands. So I'm excited to see what uh, what this Washington team can do. Um, uh, But they just they just edged out uh, Atlanta for me right there with that trade. Jurgen, you got any takes or comments about what Austin's saying? Hey, man, anyone that has the heat high up there, I'm going to be a fan of. Like, I, I, I was preaching that we could be a top four seed last season going mm-hmm. in, and, and everyone, all of my friends called me a lunatic, saying that, like, seventh seed at best. So, hey, you think they're going to be the first seed? Trust yeah. me, I, I will take that. I just think the thing with Miami is that from watching this team, there will be times, and it, it, it's nothing to do with, I think, lack of focus or anything. It's just sometimes they'll have bad shooting nights, maybe some inconsistencies. Mm-hmm. And like during the regular yeah. season, I, with this core, I don't view us as the strongest regular season team, like the mm-hmm. playoff show. I think the playoffs is when everything comes together more for Miami. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think top three, top four is well within it. Uh, the Nets, I kind of agree. To an extent, I think ultimately for me, the way I viewed with basketball more than any other sport, talent has so much influence on what could happen. Where mm-hmm. if we see early on what Kyrie and KD could be, that could propel them maybe even higher what you and me think. Mm-hmm. Um, but as- aside from that, no, nah, aside from that, I can't really disagree, honestly. Okay. Well, I'm going to go ahead and get in mine. Yeah, what you got? I'm going to include something that none of you guys really mentioned. Maybe it's just, I don't know, like when I was doing my show notes and everything, like I had a, I, you know, you met Austin, you mentioned earlier that, you know, that we have a shared document, like I assembled the outline. So like when I was thinking of like, you know, the way the show was going, like I had COVID in my head from the beginning. And when I looked at, when I made my list, I went on the CDC guideline website, which was the first time I had ever done this. So thank you, NBA, for making me go check out the CDC website. But I went through and looked at like the state by state breakdown of where like cases are more often, you know, like the where like the top cases are like state by state. Mm -hmm. And so like that factored into my decision making like heavily because we mentioned that if if a player catches COVID, even asymptomatic, he's going to be missing two weeks. Yeah. If he's symptomatic, he's going to wait until he's no longer symptomatic and then wait two weeks on top of this. Mm-hmm. So like that, that weighed in a good bit. So like, not only did I weigh COVID in the, in the protocols for that, but I also weighed team depth because if you're going to miss a guy, who's your next man up. Right. right. So I weighed that into this as well. And so I just want to kind of Correct. prelude into that. So if you hear like a, a like a team that's mm-hmm. like, how in the world do you have them this high? Right. COVID has a lot to do with this. It's just like I think that it should. It's not just the talent on the paper or my my standings would be a little mm-hmm. bit different. So the Brooklyn Nets, um, number one right now. So like even if they don't make that trade, I have Brooklyn number one overall because they both like 
Kevin Durant, I've been saying this to a lot of guys in our group chat. Like, we don't know what this dude's going to look like when he gets back, right? Everyone keeps throwing out that magical, you know, 70 to 80%. He's still going to be good. What if he's like, what if he's 40? What if he's 50? Mm-hmm. You know, are you still comfortable with where the Nets are going to be? Kyrie Irving no. is still talented enough. You still got depth all throughout this roster right now. Land- adding a Landry Shamit, I think, was like a low-key, like, mm-hmm. brilliant move from them. For, for I think it was like the 19th overall pick, right? Um mm-hmm. Overall, I think that the Nets, they got a great coaching staff too, like offensively speaking. Like defensively, mm-hmm. we'll wait and see. Maybe Jacques Vaughn is the defensive mind in that team, right? But I have Brooklyn one. I have Miami two. Um, I, I love the depth. And Jurgen, I'm glad to see that Austin and I can make your day a little bit better. I love Miami's <laughs> depth. I think that they're one of the deeper teams in the East, which is when's the last time we've been able to say that about Miami? When you have three point guards that could all start for you, Avery Bradley is a great point of attack defender, which is something Miami hasn't had in a long time. So an already scary defense, you had a point of attack defender who, for the Los Angeles Lakers, people forget, he guarded the the opposing team's point guard all game. Like, that's all he did. He picked up the – in the Western Conference, that's always a tough matchup. So bringing him to the East is going to be great for them. Uh, I have the Boston Celtics third. I have the Milwaukee Bucks fourth because Milwaukee is in a really rampant COVID area. So like they're a co they're a, a, a Giannis COVID case away from a big drop off from where they did last season. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Toronto has the benefit of playing in Tampa this season. That's a thing that I don't think is getting talked about a lot. Um, Atlanta, because of their depth, I think that they're going to be able to overcome a lot of this COVID stuff. And then I have the Indiana Pacers. I know that this is probably going to hurt your feelings, Austin. It's just that I don't know what's going on with Oladipo. You know, they're in, and you mentioned it too in Indiana, like they're a really heavy COVID hit area, right? So mm-hmm. that has me worried as well. So that's why I have my rankings the way that they do. And I don't think that it's crazy, even just on a talent alone basis. I'll just run it down again. Brooklyn, Miami, Boston, Milwaukee, Toronto, Philly, Atlanta, Indiana. That's my Eastern Conference playoff predictions. Any thoughts, you guys, or do you want to move yeah, on? Um, um, I'll go. I'll go. I've got some things that, uh, you know, first off, I hate you. How can you pick the Pacers <laughs> to finish eighth? What's wrong with you? I have I mean, in the playoffs, brother. You're just losing all credibility with me, Steven. No, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> new uh, coach, you know, new system, obviously, COVID. obviously, you know, it could, yeah. you know, they could have a, a bad breakup with Oladipo midway through this season. Who knows? Um, so things could happen there. And and I even said I thought Brooklyn Nets could the Brooklyn Nets could go all the way up from anywhere from fifth to first. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you seem to have a a, a pretty good uh, faith in the Atlanta Hawks. I like that. I like that. I I just I wanted to put them in there, but I just think that this Russell Westbrook trade just moves the needle a lot for Washington. I, I like that a lot. Do we? Do we? Are we absolutely certain that he and Bradley Beal? Because Bradley Beal was like, "Hey, I signed this contract in Washington because I get to be the guy." Right. Like that. Like he said that he's like, "I'm not worried mm-hmm. about going anywhere else. Nowhere, nowhere else would I have this role." So, okay, like, are, so are we sure that that's going to be just fine? Because Russell West, Russell Westbrook just left a place where he played with his best friend and hated it. And he also, I think a big part of that is he wants to have the ball in his hands. And I think if you look, okay, okay, hear me out. Hear me out. I'm listening. I'm just saying. Uh, Kevin Durant won an MVP with Russell Westbrook on his team. Paul George finished third in the MVP voting with Russell Westbrook on his team. Russell Westbrook went three years in a row leading the NBA in assists, I think, over 11 a game. 
you know, when he had those three years when he averaged a triple double. It's this narrative that guys can't play with Russell Westbrook. Yeah, I'm not saying he's, that he can't. Frustrating. He's annoying sometimes. He makes bad decisions, but he also he's going to put the ball in in guys' hands at the right moment more often than not. He's going to get out on fast breaks. He's going to he's going to grab the rebound and take off with the ball, and they're going to they're going to have a fun. I think a, a fun, exciting offense. I think Bradley Beal stands to stands to benefit from his from him being there. If he, like I said, if he's like, cool, here comes a guy that has to have the ball in his hand to be effective. I'm going to see, like, I'm just going to be okay with that. Or he, if he's be still like, scoring 28, 30 points a night and they're winning more games, I think he'll definitely be okay with it. Hey, did you know that Russell Westbrook was also tied for second in turnovers per game? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I just looked it up because I was like, he, he he's actually it was funny he tied with james harden so that's cool <laughs> but um birds of a feather flock together <laughs> that's right man but yeah that that's my only like i'm not like i like russell westbrook like don't get me wrong but, like if bradley bill didn't go out on record and be like the only reason like i'm here in washington right now and i love it is because this is my team like i run the show and he has shown to be more efficient at doing that as of late than a russell westbrook so i don't think that it's going to take very long for Russell to play like Russ, he does a lot of great things, but he also is a very mistake prone player on top of that. Mm-hmm. And I, I, yeah. I don't know. There's a world where I think that maybe they're just a ninth or a tenth seed, which is still good enough to make a play in tournament. You know, like mm-hmm. that's that's just where I'm with their their marriage. I just think a few years ago he Russell Westbrook was good enough by himself in in Oklahoma City to get them into the playoffs in the West. I think he's good enough to get Washington into the playoffs in the East. One of us will be wrong, bro. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it's of, okay. Hey, I've been wrong before. I've been married for ten years, dude. I've been right. wrong before. We're used to it. Used to being used to being wrong. <laughs> That's right. All right, That's why tries so hard to win on this show, Jurgen. Don't let him lie to you. I just, <laughs> same way with Austin. He doesn't win at home either. He just wants nope. to come over here and fight with me. We just exactly. we're just a bunch of dudes with pent up aggression. So, Jurgen, <laughs> yeah. please I'll, come in here and just I'm give not, us your Western. I'm not comfort. looking for. I'm not looking forward to married life with, with hearing all this. Um, no, it's man, great. It's it, wonderful. It's, it's awesome. <laughs> No, of course, of course. Happy wife, happy life. Um, so with the West, uh, I'll give I'll give it a pretty quick rundown. Yeah, uh, for sure. So I got the Lakers first seed. I just think the Should moves matter. that they I think the moves that they made, uh, combined with the fact that you still have LeBron and Anthony Davis, will be good. The mm. only reason that because I was actually flipping back and forth between them and the Clippers, so the Clippers are my two seed. I was kind of flipping back and forth between the two of them based off of. How often early on will LeBron and to an extent AD, how often will they get rest early in the season? Because they, like Steven mentioned earlier, they're just coming off of like barely a little over two months of rest before mm-hmm. going into this next season. And um, I, I think the thing is, is that I could see the Clippers to an extent still also having some, you know, sitting Kawhi and PG here and there. Mm-hmm. Because the thing with Kawhi, it wasn't just for last season. Like, I think it's re- been reported on or talked about to an extent that whatever mysterious injuries that he had that derailed everything in San Antonio, he still kind of has those problems here and there. Because can I that- just, can I touch on that? that yeah. It's a degenerative, it's a degenerative condition that he has. So like, yeah. it's not like, this is what Don't bugs me. Away. I have a little bit of a, a I, I stick up for Kawhi with this because it's like, Oh, he just wants to sit. No, dude, like he loves the game so much that he's going to like put his leg that is not getting any better. Every time he dribbles a basketball and runs down the court, his yeah. leg is literally getting worse. 
Like he loves basketball that much. Yeah. So I, I that for me personally is like the only thing. I think there will be times where they need to have Kawhi sit here and there. Like Stephen said, I completely forgot like it was a degenerative thing. So thank you for <laughs> yeah. reminding me. Like people forget, dude. But yeah, yeah so <laughs> that, that was that was my only difference between them is just you know who, uh, how often will they both be rested? I think in the end it'll be very similar to last year where the Lakers at some point they'll just go on that little run where AD and LeBron play like nine straight games and they'll go like eight and one, and with twelve less games that'll end up being the difference. Uh, yeah. So they're my one and two. The Nuggets are my three. I know for some people, like the Nuggets are a bit of an interesting team because they made it to the conference finals. They upset the Clippers. And while they lost to the Lakers in five games, quite a few of those games were pretty close. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Jamal Murray turned himself into a star in the playoffs. And I think Jokic, if he could take that mental step, he because he has all the tools. Like yeah. let, let, let's not even that's not even up for debate. He has all the tools. If he could take that mental step, where there just needs to be moments when he tells Jamal, like, "Let me get this," because mm-hmm. he he's the seven footer. He can shoot from twenty five feet away. Like if, if he takes that step a few more times this year, which I think he might, I, Denver to me is like firmly in that third spot. Fourth seed, I think, is where I'm going to surprise a few people. And this mainly comes for the fact that I have stuck up for this point guard for his entire career. I think he is one of the more underappreciated at times in NBA fan circles. I got the Suns at the fourth seed. Okay. I think the intangible difference that Chris Paul will make for Booker and Aiton to even go a step further than what we saw in the bubble, I, there's a lot of potential there. And I'm, I'm high on the Chris Paul stock. And I'll gladly buy into it for this season. Uh, I think they could be the fourth seed. Uh, I have Dallas at the fifth. And I have them at the fifth because, again, you talk about young players taking that even other level. Luka's not even the best he'll ever be at this point. I think he goes off again this year. Steven, he's one of my top two or three favorites to win MVP, just like you. Yep. Um, and he, he's going to have like that kind of season where it's like, oh, this guy's going to be dominating this league very 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 soon so dallas is at my five the only reason they're not higher is because the roster is very similar to last year give or take one or two differences they're getting Um, dwight powell back which i don't think people are talking about enough yeah dwight powell uh, adding josh richardson i like and when whenever they face uh the clippers again you know james johnson with his uh black belt and MMA experience against mm-hmm. Morris. Talk about that's getting chippy. I was yeah. just going to say they got some guys to protect Luca this year for sure. Yes, yes, that's the draft that's too. I like it. It's like a hockey mindset. You I was just going to say that's like he's yes. immediately going to check in and, and run dude into the into mm-hmm. the stands a la Absolutely. Robert Horry versus Steve Nash. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, my sixth seed is Golden State. I think there's enough veteran and championship experience there. I think Steve Kerr caught a lot of flack last year. I still think he's a solid coach. And getting his roster back healthy because the dude had nothing last year. So yeah, he gets we, we knew what they were doing last yeah, season. Like yeah. they weren't trying to win. Yeah, he gets his roster back. And think about it. Some of the guys that were starters last year are now coming off the bench to give mm-hmm. that bench a little boost. So there's that. Mm-hmm. My and my seventh and eighth seed, I'm going full on youth movement on these two seeds. Full on. I got the Pelicans at seventh and I got Memphis at eight. Nice. Because I think Zion and Ingram will be a duo that could ca- catch people by surprise with how qu- good they become quickly. Mm-hmm. I think having to be a guard to fight through Zion and Steven Adams screening me all game, I'd want to check out at some point. Yep. And I think mm-hmm. there there's just a good amount of talent there for New Orleans. And then Memphis, 
a lot of the young guys are a year better. Jaron Jackson Jr. was hurt in the bubble. I think that was a big reason that they ultimately fell Absolutely. as far as they did. And then was, John Morant. That, I love that John. kid. Me too. That kid. Yeah, I know you guys love him. I love him. That kid is special, and he's really going to show out this year. And because he's coming from Miami, but this ain't the only reason. The point forward defensive role that Justice, Justice Winslow will Winslow, play yep. will be key. Because I actually like Dylan Brooks as a 3 and D guy. Mm-hmm. And it just at times his defense kind of lapsed in the bubble. I don't know if it was just me when I was watching them. It felt like his defense wasn't always there. Well, I think when, he, he tried too hard on offense too at times too. Exactly. So I think yeah. Winslow's the perfect guy to like kind of reel him back on the defensive side. Like, look, let's play this style of defense because Winslow's coming from Miami where it's like no matter even in the down years in Miami the defense is always going to be stingy and stubborn Mm -hmm. so he's going to bring that mentality in I'm just liking what these young teams are doing man I'm just really liking it Austin I don't know if you caught this but I certainly did Mm -hmm. what's up with the Portland Trailblazers man (laughs) so falling out of the playoffs I am a Damian Lillard fan I have look like it In, in my circle of friends, I have one friend in particular who he absolutely obliterates Lillard whenever he gets the chance. And I, I, I defend Lillard against him like like in terms of situation and stuff like that. I, I think Lillard, I think you're gi- giving him like you're giving him a lot of you know, you know what trying to keep this PG here. Um, sure. Yeah, he, he's he's too hard on him sometimes. But like my thing is and I mentioned this with hockey earlier. I think there comes a point where when you're consistent for so long. There comes a point where with all that consistency, just things aren't gelling anymore. Like, and it, it, not necessarily with Lillard, just other pieces of the roster. Maybe it's just not you know performing the same. Maybe guys aren't performing up to the standard you thought they were. And then at some point, it just takes a dive. And mm-hmm. I, it's not like I definitely don't have them bottoming out. Like they are to me, my like eight through 11, if I had to like guess standings are separated by two to three games. Mm, okay. So. Portland is definitely in contention there. Uh, it is just some of the moves they made. Uh, it, it's kind of 50 50 for me. I really like those are teams I need to see w- uh, all those moves play out because, again, I like Lillard, but at some point that supporting cast is going to let him down way too many times. And I just have like this sneaking suspicion like this might be that year. If it's not, it's mm-hmm. not. You know, I've definitely been wrong about Portland before. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Austin, I know. He also left off a team that I left off as well, but I know mm-hmm. that you have them on there. Do you know who I'm? Do you, can you kind of pick up the breadcrumbs that I'm laying down for you? No. So, Jurgen, you and I both don't have the Utah Jazz making the playoffs this oh, season right. either. Yeah. Um. And sorry for spoiler alert. Austin does have them in, in his rankings. I was just, I was just curious as as to why you feel like they're not going to make the playoffs. I think a very similar argument to what I made with Portland. Mm-hmm. And I think when you have stagnation, like while it's nice to be consistent of you have Gobert and Mitchell and n- me leaving them out has nothing to do with the, a- either of those guys. Um, I just think stagnation in other spots, eventually things will go down because Bogdanovich was great last year for them. They're Bogdanovich, the other one in that. Yeah, year. the other Bogdan. Um, and him and Ingles were two were both good, but what if they take a step back this year? Because Bogdanovich got hurt last year. Now, of course, mm-hmm. he had time to rest and everything, but what if he gets hurt? What if Mike Conley 
has a down year. I think in Utah, he needed the time to get used to the system. But what if in year two, he's still not used to that system? Mm-hmm. What if Jordan Clarkson takes a very slight step back? I, I mean, very slight because I actually like him first. I like Jordan. Yeah, he's in my contention, too. Yeah. Yeah. So, but like, it's just one of those things where it's like sometimes to me, if you're not making the moves to get better, what you have could eventually as a group take a step back. And that's my feeling with the Utah jazz. It's just, I like Donovan Mitchell. He like people compared him to D Wade early. I love me a a good old D Wade comparison. And he's one of the few guys where I'm actually okay with them comparing him to him. Cause I see a lot of young D Wade and Donovan Mitchell, but it's just the roster. Not a lot of moves were made. I felt like they could have maybe just done a little more, not, not asking for like a star or anything. Cause Utah is difficult, you know, not a major market, all that. That I'm not holding against them. It's just there's just something about this year, kind of like with Portland. Like something in my mind is just telling me that it could be a step back. I just can't believe you left both of them. I I I left off one of them. That is just crazy to me that you left them both off of there. But I know Austin's got a head scratcher that he's gonna have to answer for too. Austin, do you want to go ahead? Actually, uh, I did. I did some last minute uh, updating to it before we went before we went live a little bit ago. So. I may have fixed what you're what you're talking about there. I, I hope did. so. I hope so. Um, so I actually don't have Utah in my top eight anymore. I took them ah, out. Ah, okay. So. so you probably added the one team that I was about to. So first off, let's get this out of the way right now. Uh, I don't want anyone to get this confused or anyone to think that you know I'm not being 100% confident when I say this. The Los Angeles Lakers are going to win the Western Conference. It's not going to be particularly close. I don't know that there's a team that can compete with them for the finals period. I am shocked. So, throwing that out there. What a I hot just take! Get that out there. The Lakers aren't going to be aren't aren't going to really uh, struggle to repeat this year, in my eyes. Um, you know, Tim Legler on ESPN Radio said last week they should just shorten the season to 12 games, get the playoffs, because nobody's going to compete with the Lakers. Yeah. It's, so it's you know, shout out legs. Shout out legs. Come on the show sometime. So you have uh, the Clippers to number one overall in your ranking. No. <laughs> no. Right, right, right. So no, I, I, Lakers one, <laughs> Lakers one, Clippers two. I still think, you know, Kawhi and Paul George are still two really good players. They still are deep. You know, they added uh, Sergi Baca. That's going to be, I, I almost think, for what they need from him, I think he, he's going to be an upgrade from um, Montrezl Harrell. You know, I don't know that they necessarily needed the scoring. They, they need the defense a little bit more. Uh, mm-hmm. rim protection because you know they just got abused by Jokic in that in that um you know conference semifinal yeah and then i have golden state third um mm. so yeah there's there's, there's the one, the one. That, there's, the, there's one. the one that i fixed he almost I fixed. Blast them off there jergen he almost didn't have the warriors making it only because well, of injury only because of injury well i actually uh just was in too big of a hurry to make my list and left them off somehow. Uh, but no, I think uh, I actually have Steph Curry winning the MVP this year, so I couldn't have him win the MVP and them not make the playoffs. That doesn't make playoffs, any, that yeah. doesn't make any sense. So um, you know, I I just I believe in him. I think this team has a chance to be special defensively. You know, uh, James Wiseman at the center. They've got Draymond mm-hmm. at the four. We already know what Draymond can do, and then they're going to have you know Wiggins and. Um, Ubre. I mean, Tsunami they're just going to be poppy. right. They're going to be long. They're going to be quick. They're going to be athletic. Um, I think people are underestimating the kind of um, positive impact that the the Warriors organization and Steve Kerr can have on a guy like Andrew Wiggins, 
who, you know, is going to be in a winning culture for the first time, isn't definitely isn't going to be expected to be the guy on that team by any means. I mean, they're, they're going to need him to score now a lot more than they were. But I, I, I just I just believe in Seth Curry. I think he's going to come back strong this year and, and, and have a great year for Golden State. I've got Denver at four and Portland at five. Um, I went back and forth between those two. I actually love the moves that Portland made this year. I think they went from being a team that that really was about seven deep to a team that's about 11 deep now. You yeah. know, they had Robert Covington. Gary Trent Jr. is going to get better. You know, they brought back Carmelo. I mean, Rodney I Hood just, is back Rodney off of Rodney Hood. Enos Cantor. Mm-hmm. Enos Cantor can't guard anybody, but he can score. He was uh, good on the, that team, dude. He was really good in Portland. Yes, he was. He had his best time in the NBA there, I, I would say. So, Nerd you know, I, I like I like all of their moves that they made. Uh, they're going to be a tough out. You know, I think they showed – I think Dame Lillard kind of kind of took that next step to a guy that you can never really count out um, in that in the bubble, you know, and, and making it to that, that playoff and getting into the playoffs. Obviously, they ran into the Lakers team that was just, you know, better than them, but – they're deep at just they're you know they're, they're too deep at every position and you know Carmelo Anthony might arguably arguably be their eleventh guy on the bench and we that saw what he good. did in the playoffs last year yeah and then uh, after Portland I have uh, Dallas um, you know Dallas Mavericks I don't know how much they added to get better from last year and um, I think Porzingis is going to be out to start the year again yep. so that's that's something that I took into account. It's just, you know, Porzingis seems like he might be made of glass a little bit until I see some extended periods of health from him. I, I still think Dallas is a, is a player away from being a, a you know, a championship level team. I have Phoenix at seven, you know, I, I think they could move all the way up to fifth, arguably. I mean, you know, with Chris Paul, Devin Booker might lead the NBA in scoring, you know, I mean, it's, it'd be, it'd be, it'd be feasible or he'd be up there. He's got to be know. like all NBA this year. Yeah. Right. And um, you know, I think he makes DeAndre Ayton a, a you know a guaranteed twenty and ten type of center. He was already at like seventeen and ten, so I think you can you can add a little bit to his scoring for sure. Because he know, missed Chris some Paul, time last year too, right? Because what big man has Chris Paul ever played with that hasn't gotten better? You know, yeah. it's just it's a you know a fact of life. And then yeah. I have the Pelicans at eight. Um, I kind of went back and forth here too between the Pelicans and the Grizzlies. I think if it weren't for that injury, I think you might be talking about. Um, Jaron Jackson Jr. the same way we've been talking about uh, Jamal Murray, just in fact of, you know, he was making some serious leaps, I think, and really, really showed another level to his game before he got hurt. And, you know, he's a guy that can hit two or three threes a game, get you 20 plus points, get you double digit rebounds, and he's going to block two or three shots a game, too. You know, he he does a little bit of everything on both ends of the court. So that was a it was tough for that. It was tough for me to leave them out. But I just think that the, the duo of Brandon Ingram and uh, and Zion is going to be it's going to be fun to watch. It's going to be difficult to stop. Um, I think Stan Van Gundy is going to get get a lot out of that young roster. I think you know a lot of those guys on that team before the shutdown showed you know serious improvement. Brandon Ingram obviously won most, especially Lonzo, player. dude. Lonzo was looking a lot better before the, the shutdown, and then Zion came <laughs> in and played, and you know I mean it, it, they were. They were one of the better teams when all those guys were playing towards towards the end of the end of the actual season before COVID happened the first time. So you know, I think it was it's a crowded Western Conference. It was hard to yeah 
hard to leave out a couple of the teams that, that were left out, you know, because I do think Memphis could make it. I do think um, really Utah could make it. I mean, Utah, Utah could make us all look bad and end up finishing fourth or fifth real yeah. realistically. Yep. I mean, so it's just it's it's hard to hard to determine who's going to be left out. Jurgen, before I go, man, do you got anything that you want to kind of retort back at Austin with his standings? No, not really. I like his standings. Honestly, like kind of looking back at my list, if I were to make one change, I would probably bump Golden State up to the fifth seed uh, and bump Dallas back down to six. Okay. Um, but I'll, aside, I'll, I'll pin in that change. I got you. I got appreciate you. Appreciate that. Uh, aside <laughs> from that, no, like I definitely understand like, you know, Denver, I think as like third or fourth seed, I can't blame it at all um, because I just think they, they mainly kept their roster the same. And considering the success they had, I don't think for them that's necessarily a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Um, no, no, I can't. I can't really complain. He had a lot of good. Golden State, I, maybe at first, like just on first glance, it might seem a little too high for me. But again, like Steph, I think he will come back. You know, just three pointers blazing. And I agree. I think if Wiggins is going to find success somewhere, it has to be here. And, if he can't do it here, then the yeah. only other places it would be are like Miami and Toronto. Like yeah. that's that's it. San Antonio, maybe. Yeah, maybe San Antonio. So like I, I think Wiggins, I think the reason probably why I had them fifth is kind of to that extent where while I think Wiggins will look better with them is just it's not going to be enough for me personally for what they're losing, not just with the offense mm. with Clay, but like I feel like you when you miss a guy like a Clay Thompson, you miss a presence there. Like yeah. all of NBA Twitter, like we were all sad. Like we all felt hurt when we saw the clay injury. So it's like yeah, it breaks your heart, man. Yeah. And especially because he was coming back from one. So I think that's the only thing like that kind of just keeps them down for me. But if Wiggins steps up, third seed is definitely in reach for them. So and like he said, the, the West is deep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, stupid. And you know what what you said about Clay too. The biggest thing for me that they miss is just he's probably the only second second star in the NBA that doesn't need to get into a rhythm. He doesn't need the ball. You know, he can yeah. he can be cold. He can come in out of nowhere and, and you know, give him the ball with three seconds left on the shot clock. He's going to hit yeah. that shot more often than most guys in the NBA do. So I think that's the biggest thing that hurts their offense with missing Clay is that he doesn't ever really – you know, he what wasn't that game where he scored fifty points and had like a thirteen dribbles, yeah, or something it's, ridiculous. It's stupid. I think the fish gets I mean, bigger every time you tell the story, right? It's just, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. dropped seventy and didn't even like ball didn't even touch his hands. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I agree with hilarious. all that. And before I again, I just want to say before I give my standings, y'all, y'all, y'all will probably look at at least I think maybe two teams and be like, how do you have them the slow? Um, again, we're in a COVID season. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of teams are playing in COVID, you know, rich, I guess, for lack of a better word, area. Um, that being said, the Lakers are number one on top. So I mean, we're three-peating here, um, like the Lakers might end up messing around and doing. Uh, I have the Dallas Mavericks second because Texas, believe it or not, is one of the least amount, even though it's one of the bigger states, um, least amount of COVID cases. Um, and I just I'm, had it already, I, right? I'm, I'm a big believer in Luka Doncic. I think even though that they're losing Kristaps, they are bringing back Powell. So I think that they're going to be able to run a little bit more of a conventional style offense. And I'm never, ever going to doubt Rick Carlisle and offense ever again after mm-hmm. this last season. <laughs> um, I got the Clippers third for a lot of the same reasons that you guys had them second. Um, I had Portland fourth overall. I'm a big fan of their depth. And again, like with the COVID cases and depth, I think that's just going to be huge for their team. 
Um, the Golden State Warriors, I have fifth. And the interesting thing that I don't think anybody's talking about is if you look at what the San Francisco 49ers are going through right now, they're not even allowed to play in their home arena. They actually have to go in Arizona to play. So that might be something just to kind of keep an eye on with the Golden State Warriors. Is basketball considered a contact sport? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> by the well, county of Santa Clara? Well, that's I what mean, I'm saying. Personally, like, I would say it is, but I don't it know. It is a contact it sport. Is. It, I mean, it, it is, right? You set mm-hmm. pick and rolls, right? Like that's right. You rebound. So, I mean, I'm not going to get into like how basketball is played or whatever, but like, I do think that that's something just to keep an eye on. I'm not, I'm not re- obviously not reporting anything. It's just speculation, conjecture, maybe a little bit of prognostication. Who knows? But it's just something to keep in the back of your mind. Right. Um, I have the Phoenix Sun six, right? Uh, and then I have the Denver Nuggets actually all the way back at seven just because of they're like in the heart of COVID country right now, unfortunately, right? And they're Nikola Jokic covid case away from right you know missing him for two weeks in a shortened season and then i have the new orleans pelicans as my eighth seed right so i don't have um we all believe that the houston rockets aren't going to make that even though that they could mess around to have a decent team this year right um and we all don't have the memphis grizzlies and the utah jazz right so mm-hmm. but i mean we all just spoke to how loaded the western conference is you guys have anything to say about my rankings before we move on you know, somebody's going to get left out. You know, that's yeah. just the nature of this year. Like there's just and it's not even like you can say, oh, just imagine if they were in the Eastern Conference, because the Eastern Conference is going to be pretty good, too. And a lot you better. I, I think the NBA is at a good at a, at a good place in terms of, of overall talent. You know, throughout the league, it's a little bit more spread out than it's been in years past. You know, it's just funny to me to see how, you know, we all have varying different you know, levels of confidence in all the Western conference teams, except for the Lakers, you know, mm-hmm. you know, it's almost like it's, you know, I, so Lakers I and everybody else, LeBron's not going to get yeah. COVID. I mean, you know, it's just, that's how it goes. You know, he might, he might, obviously, <laughs> no, I mean, obviously, obviously I'm being You're sarcastic, a Lakers fan, but I mean, I don't know you why know you I'm, said that. Obviously I'm being sarcastic, but you know what I mean? It's almost like nobody can even conceive something like that happening, but it very well could. And, yeah. and yeah. then who knows who wins the West, but. I just thought that was something that was interesting. Yeah, yeah I just think sure. I just think as long as they got LeBron and AD come playoff time, mm-hmm. I don't see a team in the West that's going to beat them four out of seven games. Like because because at the end of the day, that's the most important thing. Like you need to beat LeBron James four times in a playoff series. It is right. a very small list of teams that have said they can do that, and all mm-hmm. of those teams that have done it, Hall of Famer, Hall of Famer, Hall of Famer, Hall, mm-hmm. like like those teams are uh, have. I absolutely love the best rosters depth. ever constructed in the history of the NBA. You know, yeah. like it took that much. Yeah. So right. I I think uh, yeah. Also makes the best point. Like there are, there are a few teams and like Denver being you know a, a hot spot. I think can definitely play a factor. And also like it wouldn't surprise me because this happened in the East a few years ago where it's like the third and sixth seed were all tied for mm-hmm. with one another it wouldn't surprise me if like four through seven are all separated by like one or two games right because you know that this is going to be one of the best possible years for this you know two team playoff play-in tournament you know the yeah. ninth and tenth seeds because there's going to be at least 10 teams that i think probably deserved a playoff spot so yeah. and then how much of that is going to be due to like covid things like Otherwise, this team might have been in the top eight in their conference, but their star player got COVID early in the season or whatever, and now they get a chance Mm -hmm. to prove, you know, test their mettle, so to speak. All right, guys, we're transitioning to the last segment, what we're calling 
closing thoughts. That's kind of hard to say, Austin. I told you if you weren't going to do it, Mm -hmm. I would. Right. So closing thoughts, Jurgen, what do you got for us for your closing thought? I think we are set to see one of the more intriguing and entertaining NBA seasons we've had in a while, which I think is only apropos because we are now only what, eight months away, seven, seven, eight months away from one of the biggest, if not the biggest off season in the last half decade. Mm-hmm. So we, I think it's perfect. You get the the act happening and we're about to see, we, we see the aftermath after. I think we're going to see a little sleight uh, of hand, so to speak. Exactly. I think we're mm-hmm. going to see like, like I had in my, with my Western predictions and again, I me having Atlanta knife. I think we're going to start to see some young teams really like take some big steps here. Uh, it's always about one thing I've always like loved looking at is the future for these professional sports leagues. Mm-hmm. I love the next upcoming guy. I definitely like when it comes in terms of writing, like I got to write like a, a top five guys coming in for hockey. Cause like there's some bona fide talents coming in these next few years in the league. And with the NBA, it's the same thing. I think Zion and Ja are going to be phenomenal. I think this will finally be the year that Trey young in Atlanta, they could finally start to show everyone what the vision was <laughs> when Atlanta made that draft draft day trade with dallas and mm-hmm. them getting trade like the i i think this is the year where we where we see the young superstars take a massive leap into jason tatum yeah yeah th- this is the year for a lot of these mm-hmm. guys and not to mention the upcoming draft class looks pretty daggone good if you haven't had a chance to look at these guys but uh yeah that's 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 all fair point i think that this obviously we said last year we've never seen an NBA season like this. Well, this one, yeah. we've also never seen one like this where we're still dealing with COVID, mm-hmm. but now we're playing in stadiums. And one just key little thing I think is interesting is like it's going to be really, really mm-hmm. crucial, I think, for the NBA to get this right because they nailed the bubble. Like everyone was like they did it right. Mm-hmm. They even said like made even shots at, you know, the, the, the POTUS, right? Like. Hey, maybe you know the rest of the country should run things the way that we're running it now. Now they've seen like the NFL and NCAA football are like, yeah, we're just gonna keep playing, you know, and even pushing through all these things. We saw what happened in Denver. We saw what happened in Baltimore and Pittsburgh, yeah. and they still just kept trucking. Wednesday right along. afternoon football. That's weird, right? And now the NBA is gonna do this, and it's almost, I almost want to say like it's hypocritical, but there's probably a better word. I don't think that they're, you know. I don't think that they're being as like, you know, devious or nefarious as that. Right. But it's almost like, yeah, we did it the right way, but now we want to make our money. You know what I mean? Like that's what mm-hmm. it kind of, kind of feels like with this season. And and you yeah. just kind of have to do that. Like that's how I felt even before the bubble, even if they wanted just to keep playing, I would have been fine with that. But like right. they, they, they nailed the bubble and now they're just doing something counter to that just because like, okay, well everyone else is doing it. So we might as well join in with them. Right. Well, mm-hmm. just a quick counterpoint. I don't want to make sure. it too long, but like from from reading a lot of articles and seeing some interviews from guys with both the NBA and the NHL, because both those leagues did it right with the bubble. Like, Correct. I think the the mental toll being in the bubble took on a lot of those guys. Absolutely, for just the playoffs. Like, all those guys agree. Like, to get the playoffs done, they had to go through a bubble. But I, I never saw a chance of them going through that bubble again because I, I really think, like, with Paul George, I think he made a, a decent point where it's, like, the mental challenge of being in that bubble I think is harder than the physical one. So yeah. I think – and I definitely get what you're what you're saying. Like, they did it right, and now, like, they kind of have to do it. 
to appease sponsors and stadium and all that stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just, uh, I think this is just one of those things where it's like the NBA, they kind of, they're just playing with the hand. They have to be dealt here, but you like, it's definitely a a great point by you. Like they're doing this, obviously could they have done it a different way? Who knows? But yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, and that's, and that's a very fair take that you have as well there, Jergen Austin, your closing thought, my man. Well, you know, just to real quick to kind of get to what you said, you know, it's, a little bit naive to think that these that COVID's not going to crop up, you know, now that they're traveling, you know, it's going to happen. It just depends yeah, on you know, So it'll be, it's definitely going to be different than it was last year. It's not going to be, you know, peace and harmony, three months of no positive tests. Everybody's going to be in a bubble and having fun at Disney world. And, you know, it's, it's, it's not realistic to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the, at the same time, you know, these other leagues have shown that it's, it's possible. It's, it's possible to get it done. Uh, my, my final thought is more of a hot take and half of it already happened. Um, um, rolling. well, it was the same thing. Uh, my, my hot take is that I think Russell Westbrook and James Harden, both end the season, not playing for the Houston Rockets. Um, I think they'll both be on different teams. Obviously Westbrook's with Washington already. Um, but you know, we've seen it before where, you know, st- big name stars can make life hell for their franchise. You know, they can pout on the court. I mean, it's gone back all the way to when Vince Carter was in Toronto. You know, I mean, he forced his way out of there just by not playing hard, by not showing up to practices, by taking longer when, you know, when he got injured to come back than he probably needed to. I mean, mm-hmm. Anthony, we just saw Anthony Davis basically force his way to the Lakers. And in a, in a situation where everybody around that said that he could have played if he wanted to, you know, just, and he figured out a way to do it without getting fined. So, but you know, they, I, but they I, did all right. Right. By waiting he, though, instead right. of just doing it immediately. Yeah. Right. But I just, I think, uh, I don't know. Tillman for seems like a little bit of a, uh, like a little bit of a hothead maybe to where, uh, I could see him, you know, James Harden starts showing up his franchise and he says, ah, we're done with this. We're getting this guy out of here. You know, and I, I don't think any of us picked Houston to make the playoffs. Nope. Um, so, you know, obviously we I almost did. Highly. I did. in one yeah. of the <laughs> revisions that I had, I mm-hmm. did have them like as the eight seed. Yeah. They, and then, you know, that's another team that we didn't even really talk about for the top, even the top 10. I don't, I don't really think. And, and they could, you know, they very well could, you know, they've won a lot of games every year. James Harden has never not made the playoffs. So, you know, that's really saying something that we all thought that then. Um, so, I just think it's uh, it's definitely going to be a, a wild ride for sure. I think there's you're going to see maybe more player movement than you have in the past. I think I think player empowerment is as big as ever, and so I just I think you'll see more names get moved. I, I and, you know another name I'd look out for is Blake Griffin too, but uh, ultimately I think those guys in Houston are are both going to be out of there. Yeah, I mean, we, we've talked about this like at length in our group chat, right? Like, mm-hmm. I think that Houston would benefit greatly. But just, one, I'm glad that they waited until, yeah. you know, at least after free agency period, right? Because now mm-hmm. everyone's got rosters and cap space set, right? Yep. So now that I think James Harden value goes up even higher right now, right? But, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I do think that there is a strong possibility that he could get moved. I, If I had to bet one way or the other, I think that they wait as long as they possibly can to mm-hmm. allow team, at least to the trade deadline, right. To where right. teams think that they're that James Harden piece away from contending, right? Like yeah. that's what I think that would really ramp up the trade value for him. True. Um, uh, Jerg, how do you feel about that? 
I I 100% agree. I think we we've been on the same boat the entire time for Houston. There is absolutely zero reason that they had to move Harden at any point before now because he's still under contract for so many years. Like mm-hmm. the thing when we talk about player empowerment with so many of these guys, a lot of the time it's one year left or they're about to enter the contract year with the player option. Like mm-hmm. guys on rookie deals aren't doing this because of team control and stuff. And the guys with five years left on their deals, they can't do that. It's got to be a very specific situation. Like, like Austin said with Anthony Davis, uh, we, we, we sort of like mentioned this before in terms of his exit, but like Kawhi situation, he, it was like a whole one year left kind of deal. Like yep. it takes a very specific situation for that to happen. And, Harden, uh, of course, this is all depending on the reporting. The three of us, like, we always try to be as best informed as possible. Right. I, I haven't gotten the full vibe that Harden's super pushing anything recently. So Yeah, especially maybe, with Westbrook gone, right? Exactly. So, like, maybe maybe it's a sign where it's like they write things out. I agree, Steven. I think the earliest we could see it is the, at the trade deadline. Yeah. And then you really get um, your assets back that you traded for Westbrook with that Harden deal. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if it even actually went to the next offseason, depending on like how this yeah. season. So I agree mm-hmm. with both you guys. Oh, think about it. Think about it like this. They had Chris Paul, what, two seasons ago. Yeah. And mm-hmm. they lost him for they traded him for Russell Westbrook. They had to give up first round picks to make that move. Then they get rid of Russell Westbrook for John Wall. Who's probably the best first round pick. Now, hold on now. And a first first round pick. pick. So, but who's the best out of all three of those players? Chris Paul. Okay. So who's second best? Probably Russell Westbrook. So they've, they've got the worst of the three guys coming in this season and not to mention too, uh, DeMarcus Cousins is on that team now too. DeMarcus Cousins and John Wall aren't going to be standing around for 20, 23 seconds in the shot clock watching James Harden dribble at the top of the key. They're just not. You know, I, DeMarcus Cousins will do whatever he's basically told to at this point in his career, right? Because like this is like make or break for him. But him and him and John Wall are friends, you know, from college. So I, I think they're gonna they're gonna kind of those two, you know, PJ Tucker, we've seen we've heard Eric Gordon start to speak up now. They're they're they see they seem like they're sick and tired of the way things have been there in Houston. And I don't know if it's, if that's something James Harden's ready to deal with. I think he, he tries to get, get out of there as fast as he can. I don't, I mean, I think we could split hairs on this and like Austin yeah. at the end of the day, I just don't think that you and I view the situation the same jerk. It sounds like you're kind of like in, in that same boat as me. Right. Like, but that doesn't make us right. Like you, you predicted accurately, right. The Russell Westbrook deal, you could very yeah. well be right on this. Right. So like, it's just, I, it, but the way that I'm reading the tea leaves right now, I just think that they probably are better off waiting because like they are not under the mercy of James. Like even if he sits right. like they're they're going to perform about as well as we expected them to to begin with. Right. Like so yeah. it to me like they're in a they have more to gain by waiting at, for a team's desperation. Like that's just how how I feel. But I totally get the point where like. He may just make it as uncomfortable as all get out, and he very well could just get traded. But I also think, too, to push back on your Russell Westbrook thing, right? Tillman Versita has also shown that he can be kind of like a, a, a money grubber, if you will. And if John Wall, they traded for him, get him, they he was the only other guy that they could have traded Russell Westbrook for. I mean, let's just be real. Like maybe, maybe Blake Griffin, maybe if the Pistons were just devoted to this tanking thing, right? 
with John Wall's contract the way that it is and the way that the insurance policy around it is structured, John Wall gets hurt. Tim Lafertitta doesn't have to pay $40 million a year. Like That's what I think was the ultimate reason behind this trade on top of getting an asset back when they lost assets. And like you mentioned, right, with that Chris Paul deal. So yeah. I, I get I get the idea of the trade, even though that, yes, Russell Westbrook is the better player. I get the reasons as to why Fertitta made the move that he mm-hmm. made, right? Like, yeah. Um, my closing thought is the, um, I want to talk about the Boston Celtics just real quick. Um, every, everyone is making a big deal, and rightfully so. They got swagged out of Gordon Hayward for nothing, right? But they did get a really handsome trade exception out of this, and that's something that I think can't be overlooked right um they have the ability to add a another great role player they still have all of their draft picks plus assets like robert williams romeo langford grant williams carson edwards aaron Nismith, peyton pritchard rights to yamadar and taco fall like all of these guys could be intriguing pieces coupled with draft picks in order to bring in someone that we talked about earlier jergen that we think will likely get moved maybe a lamarcus aldridge right like bring him into boston to see if he fits kind of like that you know al horford role that they had once upon a time maybe not as much defensively but offensively he's very well good right um other players i would keep an eye on for boston are guys like rudy gobert who's long been rumored to be traded out of utah um rashawn holmes with the kind of front court cluster that they're building in sacramento he could be the odd man out um Kevin Love, a guy that you brought up earlier, Austin, I think he's long been rumored to be going to Boston at some point in his career, right? Like yeah. with the trade exception they created with that deal, I think that people are under the impression that Boston is done with the the moves that they've made. They can still add a very capable piece. I'm not predicting a star like a Bradley Bill or a James Harden or what have you, but they can address that front court position that they desperately needed to either in free agency in the draft, and they did to some extent by bringing in you know, uh, Tristan Thompson, right? I just don't think that Boston's done. And I think this is something that we need to keep in the back of our mind come the trade mm-hmm. deadline. Yeah. I think Marcus Aldridge would be a huge win for that team. I mean, I think he seems like the perfect guy. And I, I, I think you're, you're, you hit the nail on the head. You know, they're definitely somebody that's to look out for to make a big move like that. I, I, I think San Antonio would go for it for sure. Um, you know, they're one of, three teams projected to have more than 50 million in cap space next year. So I think you're looking at, you know, they're expecting to come back strong and LaMarcus Aldridge probably isn't in those future plans. So I I think that's a, that would be an awesome move for them. I I don't know. I don't know who says, you know, who, what they would actually offer, but I, you know, it would have to, it would have to at least intrigue Popovich. Don't you think? Yeah. What do you think, Jerk? I agree. I think Aldridge to Boston would definitely be a very interesting fit. I, I like mm-hmm. the Al Horford comparison. Maybe not as much defensively, but right. I mean, he he's not he's not also not a guy that's just going to play that as like guys love to say the Olay defense. He's just going to let someone mm-hmm. like walk right past Penis him. Canter, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So <laughs> he 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 would at least be uh be decent at best. But Brad Stevens has coached worse defenders. Correct. So mm-hmm. I think it's, Tristan Thompson together would be interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the offense that big. he'll bring spacing the floor for like, not he only spacing shoot. the floor for like the team, but like allowing Tatum and Brown to focus more on going inside. Like if Tatum, if they get a guy that would allow Tatum to just enforce his will more often than he does, like the, the, the dynamic of that team is going to be crazy. Like I think in the league, young players, draft picks and trade exceptions. 
Those mm-hmm. are like the top mm-hmm. three assets you'd love to have in a trade. And, and LeBron James. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Has he ever been traded though? Like, <laughs> uh, I'll technically sign and trade with Cleveland in my end. Oh, yeah. there you go. There you um, go. But no, Steven, you bring up, I think the best possible point. Like if we're talking about teams that are like, will make an impact come trade deadline, Boston has to be at the top of everyone's list. Yeah. And with the whole James Harden trade looming around, I think that this is going to be one that, you know, it's going to just be on the back burners. Like people aren't going to remember this. Right. And I think that Boston with the push that they're going to be looking to make, especially in the shortened season with COVID probably Mm -hmm. hurting teams or what have you, like they got that, like almost $30 million in a, like you could bring on, like even like worst case, like I don't, I hope to God that they don't make this deal, but like even an Andre Drummond, like you could fit him into there too. Like, but Austin, you brought up Kevin Love. Kevin Love bringing in, you know, the ability to stress the floor, rebound, mm-hmm. pass a defense wouldn't be great. But Jerry, you just mentioned like Brad Stevens systems, like team defense is just, I think that he makes just defense easy for people to really play. Like Isaiah him. Thomas was probably the worst defender ever. Yeah. And just, just, they, they won a lot of games with him there. Well, so. yeah, I mean, like he's as tall as my wife and he's an NBA player, you know, and mm-hmm. he was not a uh, Olay defender, as you said there, Jerry. Yeah, um, if, if he can... If he can hide to the best of his abilities the deficiencies of Isaiah Thomas, then a LaMarcus Aldridge or Kevin Love would be a walk in the park for him. It's like, mm-hmm. all right, we, we got this. Yeah, absolutely. And they just did it with Daniel Tyson. He's like a six seven center, right? So, like, yeah. they just good. did it this last year. Yeah, and he was, like, outstanding. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. But, um, yeah, that wraps up a, a show. It's a little bit longer what we normally like to do. But we had a lot of ground to cover, and we had a very special guest. Uh, Jergen, again, just appreciate you coming yeah, on, man. Awesome like, having you, man, for sure. Austin, I, I've long honored. been wanting to have you, bro. Honored yeah. to be on with you guys. Again, first show for the network. Can't wait to be on more with you guys and the others. Right. And, no, yeah, I, like you guys like are straight up. The, the basketball talk you guys – have is quality like i'm talking about top quality so to be a part of that like it, this was awesome oh shucks man you're gonna make me blush right? bro. <laughs> i'm over here i'm over here blushing already yeah no but for real that does mean a lot to us jargon and like we we value what you bring to to the team too and all the conversations that we've had with you austin and i've been like we got to get jerk on the show man like he's <laughs> mm-hmm. he you know your stuff i know that you've mentioned like salary cap and stuff so you're speaking my language i'm a i'm a nerd when it comes to this you. stuff right so oh, yeah, like me too yeah and austin is as well right so like i just yeah it, it was cool to finally get you on man but um before we close out, Jurgen, why don't you tell the people where they can find you on social media and, you know, a little bit about some of the work that you got going on on Off the Ball Network? Oh, absolutely. So my social media tags, it's very easy. It's at JurgK40. So the first four letters of my first name there, letter K and then 40, because that was my jersey number in high school, a la Udonis Haslam. So there you, there you go. go. The OG. There you go. Yep. OG Jurg. Yep. Um, and, and with the network I joined recently, I kind of like for me, whenever I'm in like a group uh, at like any jobs I've had, even like relatively simple jobs, like I always try to find like a thing where it's like I can like help make my own. And hockey, hockey's not my number one sport in terms of like my ability to talk about it. But I, I've loved the game so much that I've always f- had a want to write about it. Like the hockey articles I've done for the network the first hockey articles I've actually ever written. So mm. to be able to uh, spread that love, spread that knowledge for people, because I really think like come playoff time, like I've always told my friends, it's like, come to my house, I will show you playoff hockey and you will understand why I love it so much. Because like 
even from watching it on a television, like you can tell this, the intensity level mm-hmm. is just on a whole other like plane. So that's what I'm doing for the network so far. I will go into other sports here and there uh, whenever those like thoughts come to my brain. Uh, but as of now, I'm going to keep the hockey article strong for the people and this show and the other show that I get the opportunity on, uh, I'll definitely come on and, you know, talk ball, talk puck, football, baseball, anything. And to talk with great guys like these two, I, I can't wait to do more. <laughs> oh, man, that's that's incredible. Thank man. you. Like, we, we, we love it, man. And yeah. You- you do great work. Like you just wrote an article where you compared hockey players to wrestlers, right? So like <laughs> that's cool. you you're even deeper in your bag than you're letting on right now, right? That so, was something that Chris actually texted me about because uh, mm-hmm. I remember there was one day in the chat, me and Austin, we were kind of going back and forth, and Stephen was just like, "What world did I just step into?" <laughs> I was at work and like I came back, I was like, "What in the heck is right. going on right well, now?" Chris had messaged me about doing a, a wrestlers compared them to NBA players, and that's where it kind of got stuck. Got the idea rolling yeah I, I got as far as kd is uh brock lesnar and that's about as far <laughs> they as it did went. a similar thing with like, i want to say it was on bleacher report or the ringer or the mm-hmm. athletic or one another where they had lebron james as the undertaker and i yeah. just yeah. thought that that was like the best comparison ever that's pretty good yeah, that is pretty good. it's solid it's solid no, yeah. forever can't beat him no matter how old he gets yeah. I mean, has lost a couple of big matches, unfortunately, right. the way that uh, yeah. I will fall down a wrestling rabbit hole if, if, <laughs> if y'all let me. But yeah, I, the way that the WWE handled the end of Undertaker's career really irks me, man. Really, really irks me. But yeah, Jurgen. Yeah, again, Jurgen, like, man, it was great having you on the show, man. And I really appreciate all the insights you brought on. Austin, man, I know that you've been up to a little bit of something, something. Got a little bit things in the in the old Tumblr, as they like to say. But mm-hmm. I know that you've missed some time. Why don't you let the folks know what you got going on? And you do your own little fantasy football thing, too, yep. right? So. Yes, sir. Um, we've got the Sharps Money Fantasy uh, Show uh, podcast. It'll be airing tomorrow. Uh, Scott Odie and I do that together. It's it's great fun. It's, it's a lot of sports betting talk. It's a lot of fantasy football talk. Um, we've got some interesting things to cover this week, you know, um, it's it's a, a weird, messed up kind of final week of the regular season for most fantasy leagues, you know, because of the the games getting postponed and everybody that has COVID. So um, it's there's a lot of a lot of hurdles to jump over, you know. Luckily for me, I've already clinched the number one spot in the playoffs for my league. So there you go. Never matter too much to me, um, but I would still like to, I would still like to keep winning. I think I've won nine games in a row, so. Try to keep subtle flex, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, just you know, I mean, I'll, I mean, I'll be honest. The league I'm in is with several guys that it's their first year playing fantasy, but there are some, there are some other good, pretty good teams. But uh, you know, so that's a lot of fun. We're gonna have a lot of fun with that tomorrow. And then I'm working on a series of articles called "Did They Do Enough?" Where you know, mm-hmm. I picked five teams that I think were the most active in the in the off season in terms of trades and you know, how they did in the draft and free agency and whether or not they, you know, they did enough to kind of meet their immediate goals. You know, some of those goals might be to win a title. Some of those goals might just be to make the playoffs. And so, you know, I'll cover kind of different tier, you know, every, it's not that I didn't pick the five best teams and just talk about, Oh, what are their chances to win a title? I kind of spread it out a little bit. So I'm still working on those. Um, You know, you can find me at Austin car 10 on Twitter, off the ball network. i we you know i do plenty of stuff with the network so you guys can look me up there excellent stuff yeah and i just got done kind of 
doing a little bit of an acquisitions uh, tracker for the network. Uh, to be honest with you, like that has kind of fell through um, because we're also doing shows on third on recording on Sundays as well. And we just had Lee Branscombe of HoopsProspects.com on, and we're doing like a running draft grades uh, segment. Tune in for that this upcoming Sunday. We're going to have all basically eight more teams that we haven't discussed yet. And uh, we, we have two of those segments left. So be able to, you know, be sure to, to tune into those. That way you can get, you know, a little bit of insight on how your team did on draft day. Not everybody's in the college hoops and, and, and evaluating prospects and stuff like that. So having a guy like Lee come on, um, I do a little bit of evaluating myself. I was in my rookie year this last year. So it's nice just to be able to talk with someone who does it more than me and know that I'm not like that crazy and that far yeah, out Lee, there. Lee teaches me quite a bit. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy he comes on because otherwise our conversations on the draft might be a little bit lacking. I told Lee uh, this last Sunday, Austin, that um, that I'm, I'm sure he missed you because you just tend to agree with everything that he says. So, <laughs> so it was nice that I didn't get double teamed. Hey, to be honest, line. to be honest, most of the time I do have already made those opinions before I've heard what he had to say. I, just, I know I just tend to to match up with him, and then usually there's a, there's one or two who I've never even heard of that I just go along with what you guys say. Yeah, there you go. Yep. Yeah, but um, it. it's always a good time. So tune into that. We got a whole bunch of great stuff going on at offtheballnetwork.com. Again, go visit the website. You can find anything that you ever want to know about sports on there. And then some cool stuff like what my man Jerg worked on today. Like you just won't find that stuff anywhere else, man. Right. So we got a lot of great stuff going on at the network. Offtheballnetwork.com. Please just real quick, if you want to follow me, it's at Stephen BTG. That stands for Breaking the Game, the name of the show. You can follow the show itself at BTG NBA pod on Instagram and on Twitter. And again, guys, we just all the love and support that we get from the, you know, the views, the listens, the mentions, the liking, the shares, the ratings, all that fun stuff. It means the yeah. world to us, doesn't it? Anywhere, any, yes, it does. Anywhere you can find podcasts, you know, Apple podcasts, Spotify, all that good stuff. We have a YouTube channel, you know, mm-hmm. you can look pretty much anywhere you go. If you look us up, you'll find our smiling faces there somewhere. <laughs> That's right. All right. Well, we're going to let it go. Let this uh, show wrap up. Uh, Jurgen, I know that you are in, you're an Ironman right now. You just did a show before this one. And then, you know, you just sat through two hour grueling hours with us mm-hmm. on our NBA preview. It means a lot to us, man. But yeah, um, having you on. Yep. Uh, guys, on, let's say something nice to the people before we go. <laughs> something nice to the silence. people, <laughs> nice to people. moment of silence for the people <laughs> right. no you know everybody thank you for listening thank you for taking time out of your day you know we appreciate all of you i won't keep you any longer we're trying not to hit two hours here all right there you go all right thank you guys very Have much much love everybody